Hey, this is David Guetta. So nice of you to join me here on this rooftop. Today of all days, 9-11. Young Chomsky, can you add in some like music behind this? I've been thinking a lot about all the problems in this world, about all the troubles and uh, conflict that's going on. It makes me feel a little crazy sometimes. And I just need to let loose. I read recently about a young man that was killed in Benghazi, in uh, Libya, and it's it just it struck my heart. Such much tragedy. The stand down order, the F-16s grounded, the the teams that never got sent over there. And I just want to say, Ambassador Chris Stevens, this one's for you. Shout out to your family, and uh, I just need we need a little love and peace. Also, how come they didn't send F-16s for air cover? That doesn't make a lot of sense. They were just based. Oh, it's it just. They. It's just. A, it's just a, a a pond skip away. I mean, they could have been there in thirty minutes. You know, they had the hellfire overhead. They could see that these men were coming over there. And me, David Guetta, could have been airdropped into there with my retinue of very fabulous females, and we probably either could have partied with these people, or we could have saved them using tactical. Type rifles, the FN, the SCAR, for for example, maybe with an underbarrel attachment of a grenade launcher. Okay. If I was going to kill an ambassador, 100%, I would do it like in Andorra or something. Like a place that like people wouldn't believe there was an ambassador. Is there an American ambassador in Andorra? I wouldn't kill an ambassador. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like you never thought about it? No. That's how little I think of ambassadors. I don't know. I go out a lot and I'm like, I always see ambassadors like acting fucking cool and like, you know, they're like, oh, actually, can you let me into like Shea Marmont? Uh, in the front of the line because you know i'm the ambassador to uh actually uh, the philippines like could you let me in and like they do and i'm just like stuck with like you know who i would kill the frumpy bitches anyone who calls themselves a brand ambassador dude we are brand ambassadors oh my god hello everyone hey hi (laughs) i'm liz Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be in country. My name is Brace. I am the new ambassador to Truanon from uh, another podcast, which is Call Her Daddy. Uh, I'm here just doing a little cultural exchange. And uh, here we have my attache and male lover, Young Chomsky, who is producing the episode. <laughs> the podcast is called Truanon. I'm really excited to be here. And we got part two of our big, long, long episode. <laughs> Here's the deal, listeners. About Benghazi. Uh, you scumbags. Uh, we no. we were like, we're going to record a, a Benghazi episode. and then, No, we I, knew it was going to be two. Kind Ish. of. We, we knew it was going to be like, it was going to go long. We knew it was yeah, going to be I, a yeah. big September 11th thing. We were doing it with Felix, and it was going to go long. We did plan yeah. for that, which is why we moved the recording to earlier. Yeah, listeners, okay, well. Not scumbags, uh, but little gumshoes listening. One hour earlier. Uh-huh. It went very long. Yes. And and the deal with this is we weren't exactly like so structuring it per se to make two episodes. So I'm not really – this starts, I think, with us talking about the movie. But uh, you have about nine hours of – if you have a commute – if you're <laughs> – fellas, if your house is in Wyoming 
and your job is in freaking Long Island, this might help. This might be a good little commute podcast. Do you have not one, not two, but three bathrooms at home that need mm-hmm. deep cleaning? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do uh, our tubs have the podcast? Wait. Do your tubs have the pod? I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Did your period (laughs) leak through every piece of clothing that you and everyone in your neighbor, like you, it just like was so strong. You had to be like, I ran out of pants, but I can't get to the laundromat because I still got a heavy flow. And like just borrowed every person you know. I don't think you know how this works. White linen pants. Can you see the motion I'm making here? Putting on pants. Stop making that. And it's just like they're covered. It looks like a freaking damn massacre. Uh, and now, you know, it's over. You're finished. You know where there was a massacre? Uh-huh. Benghazi. My bleeding. Po- oh, yeah. Let's get to it. I think we should get back to our extended tuna fish rant, actually. I don't think so. No. Listeners, we, we took a little break uh, there for about five minutes, and then Liz just talked the entire time about tuna fish, which is <laughs> disgusting. True. I hate tuna fish. So sad. It's so nasty. It's so good. Um, I think it's high time we talked about you. Got, listeners of True and I know probably one thing about me. Uh, I love movies. Flicks. <laughs> pictures the big screen and the things that are shown on it some of my favorite things to do what i like to do is i like to just kick back uh uh, and netflix and and chill whether with the group or with myself that's my number here's the thing i've watched one movie in my life but i've watched it a lot of times and it's technically not a movie it's a preview for a movie (laughs) but it's a 15 minute preview which kind of makes you feel like you're watching a movie also much like music sets, all movies should be 15 minutes long. Because if you can't get the point across in that, then what? you're not an artist. An artist respects the silence. It serves as the foundation of creativity. The movie we're talking about is called The Innocence of Muslims. And uh, everyone here has seen it, correct? Yes. Uh, it is. Oh, yeah, yes. Felix, you've seen it. Yeah. yeah. It is like, it's like if someone made a racist channel awesome movie. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It is a fucking masterpiece. Don't let anyone tell you. There were all those riots that that people ascribed to this movie were people being like, release the full version. <laughs> like <laughs> this was the like this was the precursor to the OA riot that happened uh-huh. where all those people yeah. were yeah, they they got their cues from the Innocence of Muslims riot. For sure. So like we mentioned at the top of the episode, if you wanted to insult Muslim people, you were fucking you had the green light like all the way yeah. down during this if time you period. wanted to insult muslims if you were like man my favorite thing to do is insult muslims man did you love the mid to late aughts oh my god calling this was like it, i so i actually chart this the high time of people calling muhammad gay <laughs> was this year that was like a big thing people were like oh he's a pedophile he's gay it's like pfft. Trying to be like, whoa, does that offend you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't like that? I don't know. Oh, my God. Shock Jocks this. Muslim Tour. Yeah. Awful. Well, anyways, this movie is uh, one of the high points of the art. So, or of, Yeah, yes. I, mean, I did not misspeak there. I was being truthful. 
So the movie starts, and just to explain to you, with, with, it doesn't make sense. It's not like in a linear format. There's no context for any of the scenes, and they are edited in such a way that you might believe that it was done either at random or by a very small child. Yeah, I want to say that even calling it a trailer for a movie is like giving it too much credit. Yes. Yeah, that makes it no sound way. way more coherent in any way. Yeah, then. there's no title screen. There's no like, it's not no. a trailer in that it doesn't announce a movie. It's just a 15 minute version of something that maybe is longer. Uh, it starts out with a Coptic Christian doctor uh, <laughs> in, in, and he looked in heavy makeup uh, being told, um, I, I, you know, honestly, it's really unclear what he's being told. But the crux of the scene is that his uh, family and his home are being like, you know, attacked and ransacked by Muslims as the the heavily sunglassed Egyptian police stand by and allow it to happen. It's very um, erotic. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know, I'm, it gets erotic. I will say the Coptic part is not very erotic. No, no. Um, so for those who don't know, Coptic Christians are uh, a, a sect of Christianity. Um, there are quite a lot of them in Egypt, and they do not have such a great time uh, often with the government and sometimes their neighbors. Uh, and so this seems to be based off of that. I mean, there's been like, you know, pogroms and, 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 and things of that nature that have happened in uh, Coptic mm. communities there. Um the movie then takes a different trip back into the past where it, it is – there are several disjointed and incredible scenes of Muhammad hanging out with his boys um, and, who talk about how they're like – two of them are talking. They're like, is Muhammad gay? And the other one's like, well, I don't know if – I don't know if he's like a – he's, he's a top or a bottom. They, say, they don't say top or bottom, but like I don't know if he's like – Yeah, they you know, basically like allude the, to it. No, they no, they say directly that. I just think they use slightly different words. And then Muhammad says, "I'm both." And so the rest of the Sigma. is basically, <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> it, it's 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 Muhammad uh, displaying and telling directly. There's a lot of exposition about how he is a pedophile who has a bunch of wives, is a rapist, yeah. is a thief, etc. But it is done against one of the greatest green screens ever made, and also. Every reference to Islam or Muhammad's name is very clearly overdubbed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that's yes. like a thing. When they filmed this movie, apparently, none of that existed in the script. And in fact, the actors used like different names. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't understand what they would think they were talking about otherwise. <laughs> well, they were told the movie was called Desert Warriors. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, come on. Liz, baby, I live here in Hollywood. And let me tell you, I'm always on set. You know, I'm walking around. I, I clack the thing for people. You mm -hmm. know, I, I I I shine the lights. I do that stuff. A lot of people making a lot of movies. You're I think a, a lot of these guys. I'm a gaffer. I'm gaffing. And so, uh, so I don't know. People sign up for do all. People are on fucking like yeah, you're Schitt's trying to get Creek paid and stuff. Like you know, it's, yeah, totally. What are you choosy? Don't even know what that is. Um, the movie, uh, the movie was made by. A guy who was uploaded by Sam Bassiel, uh, which the upload is still there. You can watch the original upload. I think it was taken off for a sec and then reinstated. Uh, a Coptic Christian from Texas, but his real name is Mark Basili Yusuf or Nakula Basili Nakula. Uh, but he had quite a few different aliases, including Critbag Diffrat and PJ Tobacco. 
Um, crit bag which, diff rat is really crit good. bag diff rat. Yeah, it. Uh, it That's like I don't, if Dipset had a podcast. It's. <laughs> um, he claimed in a bunch of interviews, and this is, by the way, a certified pimp move. He claimed in a bunch of interviews after the film came out that he was an Israeli Jew, and that the movie had cost five million dollars to make, and that he'd been given it by like rich Jewish friends. <laughs> This is why uh, you're confused over what a cop does. Yeah, this I'm guy, like, he fucked you up. He fucked, he fucked my whole shit up about that. Uh, it premiered at the Vista Theater under the name what? Innocence of Bin Laden. Wait, really? Yes. It premiered at the Vista? Yeah. The, well, it's unclear whether it actually played. Uh, and there was definitely like less than 10 people in the audience if it did. There's like different showed accounts it? on That's that. That's so funny. And th- well, they they put up posters calling it the Innocence of Bin Laden, making it seem like uh, a Muslim person had made a movie about the innocence of Bin Laden. So it's obvious the intention here is to incite. It turns out that it had actually cost him about $50,000 to make, which I don't know how he got that. That still seems like we're overshooting it. Sorry. Very hot. Uh, <laughs> it does not look like it cost $50,000. No, I, 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 I would be like. Lord. Well, they, he did hire a director named Alan Roberts, who first came to prominence making an Atari game called X-Man, uh, which was a sexual Atari game, and then made such movies called like Happy Hooker Goes to Hollywood, and then served on the as the editor of Johnny Knoxville's movie about how Graham Parsons' friends stole his body. Johnny Knoxville made a movie about that. Yeah, it looks really bad. I think mm-hmm. it's called it's called Body Theft or something like that. Like it's got <laughs> a really gotta, man. You got to try harder than that. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. no. It's called no. It's called Grand Theft Parsons. No, it's not. Okay, that's not yes, so bad. it is. Yes, which it should have been called Graham Theft Parsons. Yeah, obviously, it's right there. It's right there. But uh, old PJ Tobacco had had some brushes with the law early in his life. He was convicted <laughs> in 1997 Tobacco. for uh, having a bunch of ephedrine and hydro uh, hyd- hydriotic acid in his car, which are two ingredients <laughs> he was using to make methamphetamine with uh-huh. or to deliver meth with. Uh, they also found $45,000 in cash in a paper, a paper bag. He was, he, I think he did like a, a year, maybe a couple years in jail after that, but then kept getting arrested. Eventually got arrested for check kiting, which I am also guilty of and then never got caught for. Um, but you can't pin it on, I guess, is there, could I still get in trouble for that? Yeah. Probably. What are the cops going to listen? It's a Patreon episode. Yeah. Uh, I and- send it to all the cops. Okay, well, it's fine. They're, if they're listening to this, they're on my side. But he did that. This is where all his aliases, such as Critbag Diffrat, came from. Hmm. Um, the video comes out in July of 2012 in English. A few months later, and nobody gives a fuck. I mean, the people that care about it are Again, like Terry Jones. It's not a movie. It's not a movie. It's not. And even if you hate it's a Muslims, YouTube. it's a long YouTube. And it's you know a, what people even, love? Long YouTube. <laughs> yes. Especially uh, in 2012. He would have made more of an effect if he had done a video essay about Muslims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's well. The, the crazy thing is, is the innocence of Muslims was one of the first bread tube videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It is. It's because it's cr- his critique of um, of conservative religion. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, it is he puts odd this- how it starts off, and then something strange happens. <laughs> <laughs> He puts this motherfucker out. Uh, nobody gives a fuck except for like Terry Jones, who's yeah. You guys remember him? He was the Quran burning oh, yeah, guy. Yeah, he kept saying he was going to flush a Quran down the toilet, and then oh, like, that guy, yeah, 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 never did. Yeah, never did it. How big? How can you flush a Quran down a toilet? You, you can't. have to have a big toilet or a small Quran. 
Yeah, yes, yeah, pocket Quran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even then. I mean, like, some of those hospital toilets are, like, pretty heavy duty. Well, you could do, like, a porta potty but there's no flush. That's yeah. not a flush. Yeah, that's just drop. I mean, I guess that would be the most effective way to do it. But Or yeah. you could do it bit by bit. I guess you could, like, cut it up oh, or something. Oh, that, that's going to take so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, the thing is, he's trying to, you know, his thing was burning it, and so he's trying to get all the elements in there. So he's going to water, he's eventually going to freeze a Quran, and then flow, <laughs> throw one into a hurricane was his, was his next one after that. Have you, uh, ever, he, have you ever seen the, uh, the Muslim guys online do the uh, Quran challenge, where their cat no. will never walk on the Quran? No. What? Because it's like, it's really awesome. Yeah. They're, it's sick. called the Quran challenge, and I've seen a lot of Muslim guys do it, where it's like, if you put a Quran on the ground and put it in the path of a cat, the cat will always step over it. It will never step on or fuck with the Quran. That's which baller. like shows that like cats, cats are, are blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Cats. Are, yeah. Yeah. True. Well, this movie, Terry Jones is like the sole guy gives a fuck about it. How yeah. did he even know about it? I don't know. I mean, you're probably, if you're one of those guys, you probably got like a Google alert for like Muslim suck or something. And so like whenever something like this gets uploaded, you get like a ding. But I a lot of the so. guys that, that diff rat, I keep calling him this because it's my, it's his most entertaining. What's the alias. other one? PJ Tobacco? PJ Tobacco is pretty good too. But, but uh, <laughs> Sam Basile, this, this guy, Nikuli, uh, he's like pretty involved in like anti-Muslim like organizing or whatever. So he probably had a line to Terry Jones. Yeah, he's I on the list came to him sending out the links. Yeah. Like he and his boys <laughs> like just hated Muslims. And so like they were part of these groups as well. Yeah, sure. Um, an Arabic translation comes out about it in early September. And uh, as Nikuli is originally from Egypt, uh, it does pick up in Egypt and it gets uh, – you know, it, it's, it gets like clipped on a TV show and they have like these, you know, there's a scholar come on and talk about it and it sort of goes, well, frankly, it does, it goes viral. It, you know, part of that, oh, yeah. part of that TV show gets put onto YouTube and this motherfucker goes viral. And let me tell you, people are not thrilled at this movie. This was not, yeah. People were upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really thought it was like good. No. No, it didn't have a lot of defenders, like even like conservatives. Yeah, no one, like, no one was like, oh, okay, we got to hear both sides on this. We yeah. need to, you know, wait, maybe, you know, artistic license, maybe, you know, you yeah. can hate the art, not the artist. None of that was coming out. It was really just sort of like, ooh, like, you know, pulling yeah. like, oh, this is not really a good look. People yeah. were upset about it. And there was like protests kind of in the same vein that like, I mean, I wouldn't say there was like a mass uprising because of a video, which is basically what becomes the the official line. No, but there there are fifty deaths attributed to it worldwide, and I looked into some of these, and some of it's like I don't know if you can really blame this on that. But like you know, in the in the aftermath of this video, in the next few days, there are quite a lot of protests and occasionally some riots and some bombings that are said to be related to this video. Obviously, wow. the protests, a lot of them were. Uh, the bombings is a little harder to, I mean, I, I feel like that's just a convenient test. excuse. Um, but there is a big, uh, you know, up, up, it's not an uprising. There's a big protest outside the U.S. Embassy in Cairo. A bunch of guys scale the wall. Let me tell you, embassies, you got these walls, you got to make them unscalable. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you got to, but like if I was designing an embassy, I'd make, I'd put spikes on that motherfucker. Mm. Yeah. Actually, that might no. make it easier to climb. Make put really small spikes embi- on it, or a moat. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> people old fuck school. with moats. Old school, that's yeah. a moat. 
Moats, moats are some of the most sensible fortifications that you can build. Here's the and thing I don't understand traps. about the moat is uh-huh. you could just swim across the moat. Alligators. Well, so you got to so then you got to get the alligators, but no one talks about that when they say moat. They the, just, alligators just implied with a moat, I think. I don't think so. I think just water. Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Every moat I've ever had to get through has either been filled with piranhas or alligators, and I've had to best them in underwater hand to hand combat while I was holding my breath. Even though I'm a smoker, I can do it for like two minutes. I actually can't hold my breath for a long time. Well, you know where there was no moat? Uh huh. Egyptian the embassy. Fake U.S. embassy in Benghazi. Okay, so are we talking about Benghazi now? Because yes. listen, we've been recording for seventeen hours, for thirteen whole hours. We're doing thirteen hour podcasts in commemoration of Benghazi. All right, y'all, listen up. So, uh, Benghazi, city in Libya. What's up with it? Sorry, I'm scrolling down to get to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> September eleventh, September eleventh, twenty twelve. So it is uh it is September 11th just like Liz said and I'm reiterating it's September 11th 2012 a day that will live in infamy. Uh there is a like not real like a fake US embassy in Benghazi. Yeah, the, it's fake. the actual embassy is in Tripoli, but there is like a embassy there is like an a embassy in Benghazi. That like I think was like an appropriated giant ass fucking like villa that was owned by a rich guy. Mm. I know I believe yes. they were actually leasing it from him. Huge swimming pool, fucking which is barracks, not a moat. This shit, not, not a, a moat. moat. No, that's the thing. These guys have these swimming pools. You got to put that water on the outside, outside of the walls. No. no, yeah, yeah. They made they made a lot of hay about um, the jihadists swimming in the swimming pool, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. No put piranhas. the blue cover on it. Yeah, Yeah. that's the other thing, too. No piranhas. The thing Um, I want to say about the Benghazi, just to mm -hmm. remind people, because we've been going long, Benghazi, you know, is in the east of Libya. Libya, by the way, you know, 2012. This is a year later, basically after, I mean, almost a year after Gaddafi's, uh, you know, brutal, brutal murder in the streets. Like, the city is descended into hell. It's chaos. It's funny. I was listening to... um, there was like kind of like a one of those liberal like pod pod people podcasts. <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> Are you talking about fiasco? It. Yeah, fiasco. Fiasco <laughs> Benghazi. I listened to yeah. that. And it was so funny. Like, I don't know who that fucking joker is or like uh-huh. I looked him up. What the that whole thing is. It's just like some NPR bullshit or whatever, some Washington Post thing. Um, in style. I don't even know, in substance. But um he like started this whole episode off about how like Benghazi was the like intellectual capital of Libya. And so the U S was there, you know, it was so important for Chris Stevens, someone we're going to talk about extensively to be there on a kind of like cultural mission, trying to set up to bitch. There is no culture in Libya at this point. There is no, you have bombed every Academy into smithereens. There is no like fucking, like society left like the u.s the u.s demolished it like what's happening in benghazi is that's where all of the fucking jihadis are okay yeah just want to like because that's the like historical conservative arch like fascist like jihadi zone is in the fucking east of libya Well, so they've got this, they've got this consulate there and then they've got a CIA annex about yeah. like three quarters of a mile, a mile away. 
uh, which is like, it's basically like around a giant fucking block. Like it's not very far, but you got to drive a little ways to get there. Uh, Chris Stevens spends all day inside, uh, like a bitch cause it's nine 11. Um, he meets with people. I think he meets the last official meeting he had was with like uh, a Turkish diplomatic guy, which yeah. uh, he's the ambassador to Libya, by that. the way, he's say. the full on ambassador to Libya. He yeah, had gotten there, on. I think earlier that, or like maybe the day before, but he had gotten there really recently. Uh, and he had, uh, like he'd gotten to Benghazi really recently, been only named ambassador earlier in the year. Uh, and was, you know, he was, he was, he was taking it easy that day because as he noted in his diary, um, that he had, his name had been put on in his jogging routine had been put on like an Al Qaeda, uh, affiliated website. There'd been threats against his life. The security situation there was not great. And so inside of this compound, he had a, uh, uh five, there were five Americans, uh, armed guards and three guys from February 17th. Martyrs Brigade, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, those are the people providing him security there. Earlier in the day, like in the early evening, uh, some of the guards had spotted people taking pictures of the compound. And let me tell you, if you're ever the ambassador yeah. to anywhere and someone's taking pictures of the house you're in, get out of the house. Well, they say that it's also their security guys, or they're supposed, yeah. supposed to be security guys, which also, yeah. if your security guys are turning on you, maybe you should go. Yeah, get out of you there. Gotta get out of there. So uh, Ambassador Stevens is not the only uh, person from State Department there. There's also a man named Sean Smith there. And uh, Felix, this is, this is I feel like, very much your territory because this guy is a gamer and forum moderator on Something Awful, and he is playing EVE online all night. Yeah, Sean Smith, um, he, let's just run by, let's pretend I'm heavy.com. Five fast facts you need to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, Something Awful moderator, one of the, uh, a, a figure in the Something Awful Goon Swarm EVE Online community. Uh, EVE Online, for people who don't know, is a very, um, I will say it's simply not my type of game. It seems like it is a game specifically for people who are like the middle management of the computer part of their company. Yes. You know, it's a spaceship economy simulator mm-hmm. um, that a lot of real world money goes into. It's an MMORPG, massively multiplayer online role playing game with, you know, thousands and thousands of concurrent players in the same server interacting with each other and, you know, exchanging real money for spaceship parts and minerals. Yes. Uh, he banned Donald. Hold on. So this guy banned Donald Hughes yes. from from posting on a forum from something awful yes no way the guy who died in benghazi wow he sent out a he sent out a communication i forget if this was an irc or if it was an actual forum post but it was like hey guys like i know everyone's worried but like i'm good i'm in the embassy i'm playing eve don't worry the (laughs) marines got us yeah and he uh fifth fast fact uh he passed away i do out of everyone in benghazi (laughs) i do feel like the worst for this guy because it's like, oh, fuck, man. Like, Xer computer guy. You know? Yeah. You're like, hey, oh, I got a job, like, doing computers for state. Like, that should be. And they this fly America. No one's gonna, like, yeah, no yeah. one's going to run up in my shit. Um, yeah. You don't, like, you don't look into things enough to see that you're the computer guy for Chris Stevens, whose entire job is being a weapons conduit. Yes. For rebels. Yes. <laughs> you're like, oh, he's just a normal ambassador. And I get that. If I was... Him, I would just look at Chris Stevens, son of a U.S. attorney or assistant U.S. attorney, like 
prep school, everything. Like, this is not a guy that they're going to let get killed. No. Like, come on, no. I'm safe. Yeah, exactly. He's an Every, ambassador. Yeah. Everyone else, it's like, either that's what you signed up for, or like Chris Stevens, it's like, you had to have figured this may happen to you, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, so, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry, but like, I'm not going to say it wasn't fair for you. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Come, come on. on. Yeah. Chris Stevens. Um, Stevens is the thing I chew on a lot with this entire thing, not to get away from Vilerat, which was no, his no, no. online uh, screen name. But Benghazi itself is, while I was, you know, doing research this past week, I felt a similar thing thing not entirely the same but similar to what we felt when we were talking about vegas last time mm. i was here when we were talking yeah. about steven paddock where it's like there's a lot of everything there yes. isn't as much as ev- of everything here i feel like everything sort of go like we know what stevens was doing but as far as like the embassy getting overrun mm-hmm. and stevens dying and all these guys dying why did that happen like is it just a fuck up because yeah. I mostly kind of believe that. But then, you know, if you want to get super conspiratorial, is it like, oh, did they kill him to keep something from getting out? I don't know. Probably, probably not. But it's such a fuck up. It's such like, a fuck up. It's such a fuck up to have. This is the guy. This is the striver guy that you have that you can never let die. Mm. That's a fuck up. I think yeah, also, 100%. you know, it's funny because I, I thought about Vegas too when I was doing research for this. And I thought what's funny too about it, especially with the fucking movie, which I know we're going to talk about, um, is that like so little kind of happens in the actual event. Like it happens yeah. really fast and then it's kind of over. But the fucking detritus of it is like massive. Like the fallout and everything that is like comes out after it. And yeah. whether it's like the way people talking about it and it becoming this bigger thing, like it like becomes a bigger thing, a thing bigger after the fact than the actual events on the ground. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the movie yeah. is so fucking weird because there isn't really a lot of action for them to have made an action movie about, you know, no, they lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they literally had to add in like, and thir- we're talking about 13 hours, the secret soldiers of Benghazi here. They literally had to add in them like slaughtering a bunch of like, like basically portrayed as morons running at the embassy. Yeah. Uh, that like might not have happened. I don't think like, it did. They portray- yeah. It was like a zombie movie. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Where, where it's like, it's like, oh, Guys, this is what Muslims do. They send their berserk Muslim troopers at exactly. them who, love, yes. who exist just to get gunned down by an infinite machine gun. Yes, mm. yes, it's like, yeah. I don't believe that happened. I'm sorry. No, absolutely not. I mean, and so like even the thing with, with the embassy, I mean, there are so many different like takes on what happened. One of the original things said by the Obama administration, particularly by Hillary Clinton, is that there was a protest outside of the Benghazi, the embassy in Benghazi. And again, it's not a real embassy, but the ambassadorial compound here in Benghazi uh, relating to the movie The Innocence of Muslims. There is zero proof that there was ever like there basic there wasn't a protest no. like that there no. it was quiet it was calm there was nothing happening uh, at about nine p.m. that night people start uh well Sean Sm- Stevens goes to bed which by the way you're going to bed at nine p.m. Brother? yeah I don't like, believe that for a second fake like, you're fucking running guns to ISIS and you go to bed at nine p.m. 
Yes. Get like, come on. So Sean Smith is at this time playing EVE Online. The guards are at their post. And around 940, a security guard at the compound hears gunfire and loud noises coming from the, from the, from the front gate. At about 1015, some guys just straight up blow up the gate and people fucking run in. And there's people with guns. There's people without guns. It's kind of just like a huge group of people just like, fuck it. Like, we're getting in the compound. Uh, some guys that, so right next to the front gate is the barracks. They set the barracks on fire. You know, they're kind of shooting in fucking in the air and that kind of sort of stuff. All of the, uh, the local security that they had hired just beelines for the back of the compound <laughs> bounces immediately, yeah. like takes the fuck off. Uh, ambassador Stevens is woken up, uh, in the movie. He is in his clothes in reality. He was in his underwear. Uh, he, they put on a, uh, they put him in a full fucking vest. Uh, in the movie, they also give him a gun. It does not seem that he had a gun in real I life. I don't think that this guy knew yes. how to do that. No, this uh, was, this was the classic example of a salesman not really liking his product. Yeah, yes. totally. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's decked out in this shit and one of the security guards takes him into a safe room, which appears to just be a part of the house that has a metal gate that you can't get through. And it's described by the security guard who did survive, which also like, man, you really fucked up if you survived. But <laughs> the ambassador died. Like what I would if I was the Dude, guy in charge the of the ambassador, first. I'd be like, watch Yo, out for number one. You gotta stay with me, brother. Like I, that's it's 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 very insane that they let him die. Um but uh but you know they they lock themselves in there. Him Stevens, one of the security guards and Sean Smith and uh, the the people coming into the house are sort of just like ransacking the fucking place, kicking shit over, having a gay old time. Uh, they can't try to get into this metal gate thing. They don't try very hard. It's locked, and they fucking bounce. Before they bounce, they find a bunch of fuel, and like in you know, it's kind of funny because like I think they might have also just assumed that nobody was home or something, or like that everyone left because they couldn't get to where Stevens was. They didn't see Stevens. And they grab a bunch of fuel and just like light the fucking place on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels at, more like a joyride than a like yes. highly militarized targeted attack. Yes. Yeah. So uh, around this time, this is at 10 p.m., uh, the CIA annex gets an alert. Um, and Chris Stevens makes a call to the embassy in Tripoli to be like, we're on a fucking attack, uh, which gets cut off very dramatically. Um, the. The house is now on fire, though, and uh, it's again, it's a little, little unclear to me how this happens. But the uh, security guard manages to get out. Chris Stevens and Sean Smith do not manage to get out. Yeah, this makes no sense to me. By the way, yes, I, I don't, I don't. I think that security guard maybe made it out, maybe a little earlier. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. Said. Also, he's just like, oh, you stay here or something. It's like, dude, you, there's like three of you guys. Just like form a human chain and get out. My other thing is that I'll say is that I wonder if Stevens, if Stevens and Smith were like, it's cool. We know we're going to make it out of here. You know, they're coming from Tripoli or whatever. We're going to stay because we can't let whatever information get out because we'd have to burn whatever files are here. We have to, you know, all the stuff that's there. Well, the truth is the house was on fire, so they didn't even have to worry about that. They, they, I think they just couldn't make it out. Like they, like, I, I, again, I don't know. It's very unclear what happened because Chris Stevens does sort of get out later as I'll, as I'll say, but like 
it, like they, they're basically abandoned by the security guard um and who again might have split maybe a little too early down the street at the CIA annex uh as as was talked about a fucking ad nauseum for years afterwards there's a group of six like basically contractors but like armed members of the CIA mm-hmm. called in the GRS which is the global response staff uh, they are trying to leave to get to the ambassador compound, and their story is that the station chief, identified only as Bob, gives them a stand down order. And this is stand our first down. appearance of a stand down order. And stand literally down. in the movie, they're like, like, he's like, stand down, stand down. Bob later clarifies or obfuscates, you know, depending on who you are, to the Washington Post that he didn't give them a stand down order. He was just worried they get into an ambush. What's like, dog, it's a mile away. I mean, if they get into an ambush, they get into an ambush. I don't know. But uh, clearly there was some hesitation to send the guys over there. They eventually do, like six members of the GRS do get down to the compound. Uh, they secure the compound. And again, they make it seem in the movie like they were like blasting some people. I think they just got there and were like, uh, is the ambassador here? Like kind of like poked their heads around. Uh, could not find him. Uh, I, they do pick up the security guards and then they fucking uh, bounce back to the annex when they come under a little bit of fire. I would say probably your job to stay there and figure out where the ambassador is, but they do not do that. Well, I think um, they had other stuff to protect and worry about yes it is probably the compound is more important so they they do go back to the compound i will say chris stevens they i think they do they do find sean smith and he is unconscious and then later dies chris stevens is actually found by some guys who were just breaking into the house like not like jihadists or anything just like some guys are like i don't know we'll fucking get in here see what we can get uh he's alive and there's pictures of him alive but he's taken to a local hospital and then dies uh, eventual cause of death being smoke inhalation there. Mm. Um, the GRS guys get back to the compound. They come under some small arms fire on the way there. And uh, you know, close to midnight, they're back at the CIA annex. They come under some amount of small arms fire. Now, it is very unclear what happens actually. Yeah. According to these fucking guys, and it's difficult because I don't think they actually, the CIA can even really – dispute this because uh, they you know they kind of by the nature of things don't really necessarily talk about how these things happen um again in the movie and in these guys accounts they basically mow down wave after wave after wave of like zombie jihadists going through a field for sure yeah 100 percent. yeah totally (laughs) no yeah yeah none of them are injured they all survive the night fine uh a jsoc team heads over from tripoli uh and gets there at about five in the morning there has been no fighting all night. These guys have just been like sitting around, even though it makes it seem like you'd think there was like this giant battle, but that's not exactly what happened. Uh, when the JSOC team gets there, uh, the place gets mortared. And uh, two of the, uh, I believe, well, one of the guys from Tripoli and then one of the, uh, one of the GRS guys die in the mortar attack, give, bringing the body count up to four. They are then evacuated uh, uh, at that morning at 6 a.m. Like Libyan actual like security forces arrive, and then by 2 p.m. that day, they are all leaving Libya. Um, that is 13 hours. Secret soldiers <laughs> of Benghazi, and like things are unclear here because we have some pretty unreliable narrators for the most part. You know, yeah. Like most of the bulk of the story comes from the GRS guys, who again make it seem like they were heroes betrayed by their country. There, one of some of the big points of contention here is that there was no uh, air support and there was no like backup because you know 
Benghazi is a coastal city. It is fairly near to a lot of uh, American, uh, you know, military bases in the Mediterranean. And it's true, like they didn't send anybody to help these guys. Um, but it's also, you know, kind of unclear whether actual help, like. I don't think they really needed help. I mean, it seems like they survived the night fine and just got killed by a motor attack. Uh, and in the initial like uh, assault on the um, on Chris Stevens or the compound there, uh, that happened very quickly. And like there yeah, was totally. no, I mean, literally, like they couldn't even get over from a block of, like or excuse me, a mile away. So that um, you know that that kind of became the point of contention is that there was a series of stand down orders at every single level here that prevented them from getting back up. Well, the thing that also doesn't make any sense. I mean, this shit happened all the time. Like this happened a lot. These kind of attacks or whatever. Yeah. I mean, this mm-hmm. happened like in Pakistan and in India. It like there was like one in Greece. Like there's like this would happen a lot. It's it the fact that this like became a thing. Happened for a couple of reasons. One, September 11th. Two, Hillary Clinton. Three, these fucking guys all came back and wanted book deals and movie deals and yeah. talking Everyone about in their America heroics. Wants a media career. Yeah, yes. totally, totally. And I mean, these guys full on did and did you know got all that too. And so there's this sort of like confluence of events that like or like confluence of factors that all kind of created this perfect storm that came together to basically ruin Hillary Clinton's political career. You know how, like, with the maddening thing about Vegas is that there's no, like, single, there's no even, like, joke theory that could even tie it all up. With this, there is but a single joke theory that could tie this up, if you so chose to. Mm, Yeah. And that is that they're hit by the mortar. Uh, Stevens was, Stevens and Vile Rat were, like, injured, but not, like, they didn't seem like they were going to die. But then the the two GRS guys are like, well, we want to be, we want to have a media career. We're yeah. stupid narcissistic <laughs> yes. Americans. We're not going to let these guys get it first. And they smothered them with pillows. <laughs> and then we're like, oh my god, it was crew. We both killed a thousand guys. Oh my, yeah. And, like, and we, Hillary, Hillary hung up on us. Also, yes, <laughs> yes, know, like, yes. That is, I am choosing to believe that one. But you know, everyone can do what they want. But like that, I mean. It does. That's the thing is like, I have trouble believing that it was just like, so the, the argument is like that, that Hillary would intentionally allow it to be overrun. So like to destroy documents, right? It's a kind of unclear why people think that like she would want Chris Stevens to be killed. It doesn't make a lot because like, I feel like if you were going to go all the way with that, it would be like, Oh, Chris Stevens was going to like testify about all the stuff that he did. The only yeah. thing he did and was like still doing. Yeah. But like, it, it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't really work out because it's like, well, if you want to destroy documents, Oh yeah. Just let a mob of people. In. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Who took I, a yeah. bunch of documents. Yeah. Even if the Pentagon could have gotten there in time, which is, it's still unclear. I mean, I do, it is unclear to me if they could have, and, and like I mean, you they said, could, like there's what no they way they could have done. Yeah. Like they were they in could, Italy. They wouldn't have been able to refuel or some kind of shit. You know what I mean? They could have gotten to the annex, but they, there's no way they could have gotten to the actual ambassador. But what were they going to do? Like drop a bunch of bombs on a mob in Benghazi yeah. and start another war. Like it makes absolutely no fucking sense. And then like, Wait, but I do think the CIA would let 
this guy die rather than them having to expl- save him and explain like a fucking gun running <laughs> annex out of the east of Libya. You know what I'm saying? Which yeah, Absolutely. which which like came out anyway, and like no one cared. <laughs> well, yes. it was like very thing. quickly not talked about. Yeah, I yeah. I, this is I, just as an aside. This is the thing people think is annoying about soldiers. I would say like most people think like guys like high level soldiers are annoying, but won't admit it. Yeah, um, it's annoying because for the entire war on terror, all like the great heroic stories boil down to oh, we went three hours without air support. Yes, <laughs> it's like you guys exactly. suck. Fuck you. Like, I know. That's the thing is, is American soldiers will complain if like the Burger King at their forward <laughs> operating base is fucking like the patties are too fro- – like they're not cooked enough on the uh. inside. American soldiers deployed are some of the most pampered human beings on earth. Like no soldier in history has been treated like these people. And they think they talk about, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. We didn't have enough. Motherfucker. Like you guys have like – the most advanced air support in the world, which wins the fucking wars. You guys have fucking pizza hut. Like you guys have like gyms and shit. Like you have PS4. You have fucking PS4. It's like every time the, the, like the conservative soldier thing is like anytime, like to try to find like the one post ever of like a refugee kind of complaining and be like, I, I had to eat a gross meal once. Yeah. But it's like, oh, did, did you also have like a special laser that you could point at anything in the world and it would die? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. The, worst, the scariest moment of your life was like you they, for like 10 minutes. They're like, oh, there's like a weird cloud. We can't kill everything. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Americans have quad quad like uh, night vision goggles yeah. immediately is like, oh, you can't complain about anything. If you have quad fucking night vision, then – you you don't get to complain about anything else ever in war ever because you just always have the advantage the best equipment ever like usually unconditionally like the best air support in the world and like every time that like they don't have air support it's like president obungler tried to kill me yeah (laughs) it's like no you suck man also like looks like you fucking made it and then you got mortared for 10 minutes like and like sorry but don't stand on roofs when there's a mortar coming down player they make fucking noises every if Um, the the military like doesn't get vaccinated they should be like all right you've like lost airstrike privileges (laughs) yes yes (laughs) the air force is just gonna do blue angel shows over 49ers games (laughs) fuck you Um, you know, there was, there was so, you know, these guys, basically most of them make it out. There's some injuries too. the CIA annex, you know, they have guys come in there and fucking burn the documents. So there was some, let's say confusion about the events in the immediate aftermath. Like I mentioned, Hillary Clinton immediately came out and said in a very short statement, her very first statement on it, some have sought to justify this vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material posted on the internet. The United States deplores any intentional efforts to denigrate the religious beliefs of others. Our commitment to religious tolerance comes back to the very beginning of our nation. But let me be clear. There is never any justification for violent acts of this kind. So obviously blaming the video. And this was actually. I hate when they blame the video. Yes. Well, this was actually the line of the Obama administration 
for a couple of weeks. And, uh, and you know, it, it, we, can, we can get to that more when we actually get to the hearings, but it's pretty astounding because, you know, it, clearly there was, this was, you know, if you got guns and you're coming in there, it probably, the video was not the thing that, uh, was that the yeah. thing that incited you. This and if you're shooting mortars, explanation. Yes. But, 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 but one has to kind of think about was why did so many people have guns in Benghazi? Exactly what were all these people doing? <laughs> so we should just explain plainly the thing that we've alluded to repeatedly and repeatedly, which is that the CIA and the State Department were running guns out of Libya with Chris Stevens <laughs> running <Yes>. point. <laughs> so like 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 Felix mentions, Chris Stevens, pretty much lifelong Washington guy, a, a, you know, try base a made man in the cabal. Um and he, before his job as ambassador, he was working with the the Transitional National Council, as we've talked about. Mm. He was also working with a guy named Adel Hakim Belhaj, who was the leader of the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, which is a fake ass sounding name. That's like if you're trying to come up with a terror group's name, you're like, oh, I don't know. Um, this guy Belhaj is an Afghan Arab, meaning he fought in the uh, uh, in the uh, the war against the Soviet Union, um, and uh, he was a Basically, like one of these guys in the transnational jihadist network, uh, he was yeah. closely linked to Al Qaeda and actually had been illegally renditioned by the CIA previously. But he had been returned to Libya, where the Gaddafi family, and again, I'm repeating this: don't release people from prison. The Gaddafi family had released him from prison in 2010. Big mistake. Yeah, basically, in the immediate aftermath of the Libyan invasion, I mean, when Gaddafi was killed, Belhaj like announced himself as basically the leader of the new like non-state government. And he was operating out of Derna, which if you know anything about Libya, I mean, Derna is like, uh, I, I mean, it would be like, it's like Fallujah. It is like straight up fucking like ISIS center of power, let's say yeah. in Libya. Um, and that's like basically what he was running. I mean, he's an Al Qaeda, but also CIA, uh, affiliate, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he was one of the guys that met with NATO, uh, during yeah. the bombing campaign. I mean, and again, this is like an Al Qaeda guy meeting with generals of NATO to coordinate a bombing campaign against the government of his country. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's Works. absurd on the face of it. And so Stevens was interfacing with these guys and he was the, basically the state department's main point of contact with the opposition during all of this. Yeah. These and are that the moderate means, rebels that we, yes. Armed. And that means he was also choosing and selecting and talking to people about getting arms. And that's the thing is that the U.S. was using Qatar and obviously I'm sure some of its own different ways of getting there to flood Libya and especially Benghazi with heavy weapons and, and of course, small arms for these guys. And so this is like Stevens was a glorified gun runner for the United States government until he became ambassador. Yeah. I mean, I would say that he was probably way more uh, than just glorified. I think. That, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's absolutely what that annex or whatever was doing or why there was that like makeshift like pop-up restaurant that they were running out of. It's like <laughs> pop-up gun restaurant out of Benghazi that they were calling a fucking consulate. 
Well, they show in 13 Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi a scene where the uh, GRS guys are on a gun buy. I'm sure it's entirely fictional. But their their supposed mission of the CIA annex was to uh, get intelligence on the groups in the city, but also to purchase because, again, these groups had looted the arsenals of the Libyan army, which were stocked with shit like man pads, which is, you know, shoulder fired uh, anti-air uh you know, missiles. And the, like the, they, they had like quite a lot of pretty advanced and sophisticated weaponry, especially weaponry that could shoot down aircraft. And the CIA's supposed mission in Benghazi was to buy some of this weaponry from these groups and to, to dispose of it somehow. Yeah, as we'll a see, buyback pro- program. They, yes. And as you'll see, they, we, they definitely did dispose of some of that. And, you know, this is funny because I think we talked about this in our uh, episode with, uh, with the Warner, but uh, they also sort of had this like, they were doing this in the aftermath of like um, of the so of the fall of the the government of Afghanistan in the uh, you know in, in the uh, Soviet Afghan war is they were like in a buyback program for the man pads but it's like <sighs> unclear that they ever bought one back I think they just sort of said they were going to try to um, they buy it back and sell it immediately they're just yes. doing arbitrage basically it's CIA weapons arbitrage. <laughs> Well, the crazy thing about what was happening is that actually they were buying these guns and they were sending these weapons mm. to Syria. Yeah. Because wouldn't you know it, in June 2013, not even a year after the Benghazi attack, an article appears in the Lion New York Times called In Turnabout, Syrian Rebels Get Libyan Arms. <laughs> New York Times loves titling things In Turnabout. Yes. <laughs> So the article basically details how the Qatari Air Force C-17s had made several flights earlier that year, and the arms were transferred over to Syria using them and a network of other means, including like ships and stuff like that. They identify ammunitions for the M40 recoilless rifle, which is like, I believe they would usually mount these on technicals, but it's basically an anti-vehicle uh, weapon. It's not a rifle like you might recognize it. And the Conqueror's M's guided missiles, which are perfect for blowing up tanks. Um, the moth, they, so what they would do is they would buy these weapons from rebel groups in, uh, in Libya and then send them to the Syrian free Syrian army who mm. would sell them <laughs> to various, cause the free Syrian army wasn't like a real army. No, uh, it's I mean, just it, another, it's a mafia. Group. Yeah. Yeah. And it was made up of these, you know, hodgepodge different groups. And so what they would do, the free Syrian army would get these weapons from Libyan rebels that were identified by the CIA, some of these weapons purchased, you know, w- with our sort of like axis of groups, including Qatar, Saudi Arabia, et cetera. Uh, and then we would give them to the Free Syrian Army, who would then sell them to various armed groups within Syria or the, in Turkey, rather, who would then go back to Syria and either sell them to ISIS or sell them to other large groups. I mean, that's the thing is, is, is this became basically a focal point for yeah. weapons proliferation. In Syria, and Turkey even arrested prosecutors who were ordering trucks searched for weapons being smuggled near the border of Turkey and Syria because they were, you know, they were they were really intent on doing this thing. Um, rebel commanders from both countries, including Belhaj, uh, would also ship weapons from Benghazi to a port in Turkey and have the weapons flow overland to Syria from there with the full acceptance of the Turkish authorities. And this was not only small arms, but this was SAM-7 missiles, which were responsible for shooting down Syrian aircraft. This is what 
your annex was doing. Yeah. And that's sort of the crux of what we're saying here is that like, this wasn't just like some guys that was the CIA fucking annex. There wasn't there to like check up on whether these guys are good liberal Democrats. This was weapon smuggling. So they could replay the same thing that they did in Libya to Syria. It's the yeah. exact same playbook there, except without the air support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you want to talk about the same playbook, uh, the, you know, going back through this, the media run up to Libya is the exact same shit that you saw at the media run up to Syria. And at least the failure, I mean, you know, they failed to really intervene more, I guess, in Syria. Uh Um, But the same kind of manufacturing about the atrocities, the same kind of manufacturing on the social media aspect. I mean, was, it was just like uh, times 10. And then you see this and it's the exact same op they're running, you know, Syria and what they're planning. I mean, also a lot of these guys just fucking joined ISIS too, by the way. (laughs) They just also were like, hey, thanks for the guns. We're just going to go join up with our boys over here now. Thank you. Goodbye. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I do um, people have um, been upset with uh, our show uh, recently because they think we've been, um, haven't been optimistic about, but you know, I'm never going to give people uh, either false hope or false doom. You can think what you want. Um, I will say, though, I think one of the most surprising things that's happened in the last decade of American politics has been that we weren't able to get more involved in Syria. Yeah, that surprised me a lot. And it was not like anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. And that is something to feel, I mean, like, I wish we weren't involved at all. I wish we didn't fund any of these groups. I wish we yeah. didn't give anyone weapons. I wish we had no involvement in any of this. The fact that we did not do the, we did not going end up going as far as we did in Libya is, I dare to say, a good sign. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think some of it has to do with the fact that it would have required a direct confrontation with Russia. Or at mm-hmm. least negotiating yes. a potential direct confrontation with Russia. And that's the thing that I was saying about because I fucking remember this so vividly when Hillary was debating Trump and they were kind of doing their little tango on the stage. Remember how they, they were like dancing around each other? Oh yeah. When he was pacing, it was so funny. Um, and she was talking about how, you know, we needed a no fly zone in Syria. And she kept saying that over and over again. And it's like, she's, you know, it's the same thing, making it sound so reasonable. And it's like, well, wait, who's backing, Syria with their air force. Oh, that would be the Russians. And so if you're enforcing a no-fly zone in Syria, it means again shooting down Russian airplanes. Which like mm-hmm, yeah. I like I promise you the Russians do not take kindly and would not take sitting down. You know what I mean? Well, or lying down, did. whatever the well, fucking yeah. you know. That is thing true. Is. That is true that like a lot of this was Hillary versus Trump stuff, but I mean even before that like in 2013 oh, yeah. even obama wouldn't do it yeah 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 absolutely yeah like he he would do airstrikes i remember there was a big thing sort of centered around Rand paul and some t-cut stuff where there were these like viral images of uh like u.s navy guys who were wearing masks to conceal their identity holding up like placards uh that said like i didn't sign up to do air support for al-qaeda which is <laughs> it is funny because it's like no that's like kind of exactly yeah that's what like yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah literally you what you do, do. Yeah. but yeah. i mean the the, senti- the general sentiment i get it and it was fun this was not a lot of people remember this because all serious stuff got sublimated into hillary versus trump then trump stuff then sure. blah, yeah. blah blah but um 
I do remember like people, people in the Obama bot sphere being like, no, you have to follow orders. <laughs> like yeah. not even like unpacking that as they like to say. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah. Okay. Well, why are they doing that? Why do you want them to do that? Have you even thought about it? <laughs> well, I, I remember very distinctly, um, you know, there was like a, there was this sort of debate on, again, back to moderate rebels here over whether oh, yeah. the rebels in Syria were moderate. <laughs> and I think if you just trace the weapons proliferation into the ex- groups that they went to, I think you'll find that there was not uh, very many people fighting for liberal democracy there. Um, I mean, a lot of these weapons ended up in the hands of ISIS. And I, and I, and I don't think that was accidental. I think at no. that point... The U.S. No. was like, well, ISIS either provides us a convenient excuse to get in the country, or at the very worst, you know, they'll just fuck this place up and make it unlivable. Well, that's the, like, I mean, we've made so many jokes in the podcast. I'm sure you guys have too, Felix, about how, like, you know, the CIA created ISIS or whatever. And I've mm-hmm. seen people like make ask questions, like, what do they mean by that? Whatever. It's like, okay, you can go back and trace the creation of ISIS out of prisons in Iraq or whatever. Okay, fine. Yeah. And yeah, that is what happened, sure. But it wasn't just a spontaneous, uh, like fascist uh, movement that had no nurturing or had no, like quite literally, like support. Where, you know, this is a perfect example. And this is fucking years later after ISIS has kind of like taken root, right? Uh, that they're getting like material, material support from the U.S. via these different, I mean, the only way to call it is rat lines, right? Gun yes. gun lines. And I think at least, you know, when you're trying to understand, especially fucking like so many years later, when you're trying to understand like the fucking mess that the U.S. has caused in the Middle East over the past like 30 years, 25, 30 years. Like the only way, at least for me to understand these kind of networks of whether you're talking about Al Qaeda, ISIS, Al Nusra, ISIS K, whatever, which they're all kind of, you know, offshoots of each other, you know, it's all fucking yeah. branches of whatever. Like is in the same way as like a fucking NATO st- stay behind army, which yeah. is that like these guys are there to create, to sow chaos to run guns, to do all the illegal shit that kind of allows the U.S. to operate both underground and overground, you know, from the political doing, you know, doing good cop, bad cop as it needs to do domestically, internationally, whatever, while still maintaining as much of a kind of imperial stronghold as it can, strangling the people. And even if you do want to take like the least conspiratorial framework, and I do... I take this more with like ISIS K because ISIS K is a whole different animal. Yeah. But even if you don't want to go that far, and I do want to go that far with ISIS original flavor, but um, even then you would have to admit that this thing seems to spring up in every place America stays in long enough, starts funding groups, really gets into the roots, gets into the water, gets into everything. And you would have to admit that in some way that America does help create these things. Like, yes, yeah. ISIS K, totally different thing and its own thing. Look at Ukraine. Do, do I do I think it would <laughs> do do I think it would exist if we weren't there? No. Yeah. Well, that that's there the thing go. is that is that like especially I mean this is the, the Benghazi and 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 the, the gun running is such a good example, right? Because 
we basically flood these places and, and flood these groups with weaponry, with heavy weaponry, with weaponry that lets them take out the, you know, the armies of their countries you know, with our support. Um, and of course, like what kind of environment do you think that's going to create? If you put a bunch of guns somewhere, people are going to fucking use them or they're going to fucking sell them to their boys. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, it, I mean, it, it is w- without a doubt, like that's the thing about Chris Stevens and, and these CIA guys is like, you know, they were killed in this environment, this environment that their government created. Yeah, right? absolutely. If, if the U S had not bombed, uh, you know, every fucking armored vehicle in Libya that belonged to the government. And Chris Stevens was in Benghazi in 2012. Do you think he would have fucking gotten killed, you know, in a fire in his home? Likely not. Right. No, he was there to run guns to the groups that we were supporting even way back when we needed them to overthrow the regime. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And like, and even talking about like his, his security, the, you know, the February 17th brigade, the supposed good guys here, uh, (laughs) you know, Fucking those guys were also like people from that group were part of the people that overran the compound, right? They're yeah. all like in this network with Bell Hodge and these other guys. You know, it's like it, it is, it is, it, it, they created this environment where these guys can do those sort of things, right? And in, it basically encouraged, you know, if you give, if you give these people weapons, you know, like in these groups weapons rather, you know, people are going to use them, you know, it, yeah. that is, that is without a doubt. And so it's like, they basically made this stew and then complained that it fucking tasted bad. Yeah. yeah. This is from Seymour Hersh and back in 2014 in the London review, the Obama administration has never publicly admitted to its role in creating what the CIA calls a rat line, a back channel highway into Syria. The rat line authorized in early 2012, was used to funnel weapons and ammunition from Libya via southern Turkey and across the Syrian border to the enemy. Many of those in Syria who ultimately received weapons were jihadists, some of them affiliated with Al-Qaeda. I mean, this is like known, this is all known about. I mean, this isn't, you know, but funny enough, Congress doesn't fucking talk about this shit in the in the hearing. And the thing is about Seymour Hersh too, that's important to take in mind with his reporting is that like, he is basically like a conduit for the CIA to give information out. I mean, I feel like that's like the, that's sort of how people see him. And that's like his role is that like, and some of it's good, you know, like he does good reporting sometimes, but like he has these sources who say these things for a reason. And like, you know, this is true. Like, it, it, yeah. you know, it, yeah, it, anyone who using- reports on DOD or Pentagon or, um, yeah, you know, DHS or CIA has that, that kind of shit. That's the thing is like with 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 uh, w- w- with this especially is like we were using essentially the same way we like funneled gun into guns into Libya through Qatar. We were doing the same thing in Syria through the through the Free Syrian Army. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and like it, yeah, it's it's. I'm not a fan of the Free Syrian Army. Several people I know have been killed by the Free Syrian Army. Do not like those guys. And uh, and ironically. As we'll get to in a little later, a lot of those guys actually ended up getting shipped to uh, to Libya themselves um, by the Turkish government. So, and these are also all sort of like kind of continuations or different flavors, offshoots. I don't know, rebrands, remixes of the playbook that we've been running since fucking Milosevic, and yeah. the same playbook that we ran in fucking Ukraine with the fucking neo Nazis there. And yeah. I mean, this is just you know. The growing fascist threat throughout the world is heavily, heavily supported by the United States. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is, it is, I mean, we really cribbed from Prince Turkey Alpha Cell's notes <laughs> yes. on the latest iteration. We've always, we've always done this. We've always had like violent groups of people who are usually previously have been thrust out of power sometimes by us, like people who you can rely on, people who are always going to be able to like 
depending on what time you're in, kill communists or kill nationalists mm-hmm. or kill whoever. The latest model of it seems to be taking what Turkey Al-Faisal started doing in the 70s, which is like go to a group of guys and give them just dump as much money and guns and everything as as possible. When he would do it, he would have them sort of become Wahhabis. Yeah. He, he made yeah. a lot of people who weren't previously into that into that. Um, we don't really do that. It no. would be funny if we if we tried to convert people to just whatever ideology to be like a Democrat. Yeah. If if we went to Syria and we did that, we tried to do Wahhabization, but making them like believe what Joe Biden did or like yeah, what Trump yeah, did yeah, or yeah, yeah. Obama before them. But um where you just you give them all this shit, you basically tell them, Hey, go crazy. Because we didn't directly give you this shit. And even if it does come out that maybe we knew we were giving it to this guy who we knew would give it to you, blah, blah, blah. No American, the double-edged sword now that that everyone's facing is that Americans really don't want to think about any of this shit. Yeah. So on one hand, I think that's kind of what maybe helped us stay out of Syria more than we already Mm. were. On the other hand, it means that when stuff like this comes out, whoosh yeah yeah doesn't register 100%. with americans i mean like you know operation timber Sy- sycamore and the train and equip program like the cia and, and dod's two different programs there um you know they were they were depending on how you look at it either smashing successes or giant failures you know they spent billions of dollars on these programs basically giving money and advanced weaponry to these groups who would have lost to the syrian army if they had not had them right like yeah the 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 free syrian army like these collections of gangsters and as we can see like in in afrin like the the area part of them control like when they actually do get control of territory they just fucking kill each other in order to to establish who's the most dominant mafia i mean yeah these people are fucking like, you know, they're, they're gangs. It's, yeah. you know? it's filled with people who like will capture a neighborhood and declare themselves the emir of that neighborhood. Exactly. And then like, you know, fucking just shoot a few people and throw them in a ditch. You know, it's and, and, and we knew we knew like a child could look at this and deduce that. Like, that's one thing. It's like you mentioned bumbling empire before. It's like, I'm sorry, but there are thousands of analysts who like look at this stuff and study these groups. No, they're not so there's they're cruel and vicious people, but they're not so stupid as to think that this wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. And I will admit that is something I used to sort of fall into because it's yeah. easy to think that because there are so many ridiculous individual personalities exactly. you can latch onto and you kind of get hypnotized. But if you draw back a little bit, you draw out of those individual personalities and you know, holy shit, we've done the exact same thing to three countries. This doesn't yeah. really seem like an accident. Exactly. This exactly. seems like something we wanted to do. Well, I think there's a couple layers to that. It's like there's the diplomats who really do believe their own bullshit or the neocons who really do believe their own bullshit, which is they do actually believe that they are making necessary um, sacrifices in order to re- to build a better world. Like, I really do believe that the Samantha Powers and the whatever, they made that version of the world or whatever, and their humanitarian, the kind of like, things that they excuse for humanitarian reasons in their own kind of like vocabulary or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think are abhorrent obviously. And think we all agree with that, but like, I do think that they fully are enmeshed in their fucking worldview in the same way that like, um, yeah, like the neocons were in their day, you know, it's like a different flavor of neoconnery, but it's like also too, you know, something that you said, Felix just made me think that maybe we do actually 
make people in our image. Like it isn't actually making them like Biden or Patriots or whatever, like Americans, because it's like, no, we make them gangsters because we are a fucking yeah. world gangster. gangster like these oh, are yeah. the, we do like make them like this. We do make them a bunch of capitalist mobsters because that's fucking what the U S is. You know what I mean? So it's almost two layers where there's like different functions here. Um, like I do think Hillary, like those were all necessary things that she, or like those were, these were all events. Gaddafi following the fucking like slave markets, the gun running, whatever, that even if they weren't at the forefront of her mind, were always going to be like things that could be excusable for whatever were greater, you know, the greater democracy, however they wanted to find that project, you know? Yeah. And if you are to, I mean, yeah, Hillary and her State Department, they had more information than anyone. It is very hard to believe that they didn't know at least some of this would happen. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it all goes back to in some ways how satisfying it was to watch her lose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because yes. this is, a, this is a person who, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, okay. The most prepared person ever for office. Okay. So then she knew all that shit was going to happen. Yeah. Exa- it was, I it mean, was, it was yeah. great to see her too distraught to even come out of the, <laughs> of the Javits center. It's yes. a shame who she had to lose to, but God, is it funny? It happened to her. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the, um, I mean that's that's the thing about Benghazi, right? Because a lot of the a lot of the sort of criticism is like, well, why didn't they see this coming? Which is like, I mean, fair enough, you know, like you flood this like center of these these gangsters with with guns and money, you know, you're rolling the fucking dice there, baby. Um, yeah. But but in like and really, what I think about this is like, you know, Chris Stevens is like, motherfucker, you should have you should have seen this coming, and he talks about it in his diary like, oh yeah, I saw you know this is the security risks and all this stuff. It's like, well then don't go to Benghazi. You know, right. I don't know what to tell you. One don't go to Benghazi. Gun running job. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, and then I'm out. It is really just impossible to feel bad for Stevens. I know. It's, it's and like, like, it reminds me of William Buckley in Lebanon. Yeah. The fucking yeah, CIA totally. station chief, yeah. the moron yeah. who wouldn't change his route every day and ended fucking up getting idiot. fucking scooped up by Hezbollah. Yeah. I mean, in this case, like, even less sympathetic because he helped create the situation surrounding him. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, you would think, dear listener, that in the aftermath of Benghazi, of this new 9-11, that there would be this outcry from you know the people being like, well, I can't believe you guys were doing this there. Like, well, well of course, what do you expect to happen? That is not quite the reaction. Or at least I no. can't believe there was another 9-11 on 9-11. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, oh. the, the political fallout from this was, uh, and this is, I think the funny thing about this is I think of all the things to do with Benghazi, nobody remembers the attack. I mean, there's not even much to remember. Or like the milieu yeah. that created the attack, or you know any of that. It, it's the it's the hearings. Oh my god, so many fucking hearings. So many hearings. So Craig you- Gowdy's star making <laughs> turn. <laughs> yes, you mentioned how the State Department came out. Hillary came out and was like, "Uh, 
there was a protest that got out of hand and we're looking into it. So sorry. There was these Coptic motherfuckers <laughs> making their little movies. That was literally, I mean, that was the admin's reaction, which is so funny. They basically were like, yes. uh, it was a really complex attack and we're still trying to figure out what's going on. And I think there was like a weird confluence where one, okay, one, it's September 11th. So everyone was like, damn, is there going to be another September 11th? Turns out. <laughs> Yes. So two, like people were kind of like anticipating maybe there's going to be something like shit was popping off with uh, with uh, the Muslim world at the time. Uh huh. And so there was also just like a lot of there's also like an insanely hostile Congress, uh, Republican Congress uh, facing Obama. Right. And so you had yeah. this kind of like confluence of a lot of reporters covering stuff and like kind of real thirsty GOP for like anything and so the admin comes out and they're like oh there's this movie protest that got out of hand and everyone's like i don't know that seems kind of weird i don't know if that's right yeah um and so they're kind of like pressuring the admin going back and forth and people are like i don't know it seems like maybe it was like way more coordinated because they had all these weapons and the admin's like no no it wasn't coordinated we don't know how they got the weapons (laughs) yeah uh, and so (laughs) <laughs> and then the FBI, who, by the way, these are all political institutions, which you listen to us, you know that already. I don't need to say it. But the FBI opens an investigation because the FBI wants to open an investigation and make some noise because they hate the State Department. They hate the Pentagon. They hate the CIA. All these guys hate each other, right? Yes. Funny enough, I actually thought this was very funny. Diane Feinstein comes out and is like, actually... I've seen intel, and Benghazi was done by the same people who did 9-11. <laughs> Which is true Christ. in the sense that the U.S. is responsible for both. But yeah. uh, the old lady was wrong. Uh-huh. Um, Fox News gets in the mix of all of this. and is yes, like, this is huge for Fox. Oh, yeah. This is like, I mean, Fox really starts to enter its prime during this period. Yeah. Gone are the days of talk radio and Fox news has entered the fray has like, it's a whole new world for Fox. I'd say. Yeah. With Benghazi. They start seizing on the chaos of the reporting, like between all the back and forth of the Obama admin. And Mm. they're like, "Uh, actually, I don't think there was a protest outside. We really need to figure out what's going on here. And they're just talking about it 24 hours to the point that Congress is like, well, I guess we're Congress. So we should have some hearings. And that's Boy, like, do they have some here for the next like <laughs> billion years? They have hearings about Benghazi. Um, first, it's the whole thing is so fucking stupid until they get to the emails, in my opinion. But first, they basically are upset and they really like hang on whether or not the attack was spontaneous or planned and whether or not the admin considers it a terrorist attack, which is just yes. like so fucking stupid, if you ask me. Like the whole, like this whole, like, uh, this seems like really not the point of anything. Well, that, that was no. the thing is, is, is you had like the, the Obama administration being like, well, it was a completely spontaneous, like reaction to like a heated protest. And then you had, uh, like, you know, the Gaudi and cohort being like, this was Al Qaeda that yeah. did this. Uh, the truth I think kind of lies in the middle. It's just like the, the sort of snake we had to help create like bit. You know, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was, I remember that was a big thing, like whether it was an Al Qaeda attack or not. And you know, it's funny people get really hung up on like Al Qaeda, but it's like, you know, a lot of these like Libyan Islamic fighting group, like they believe the same thing. They're just not Al Qaeda. I mean, they're on the terror list too, but like, it's just like, it does, that's not the only group that's out there. Yeah. So at this point, the state department is like, okay, okay. We're also going to have an investigation. Everyone's having their own investigation. So you've got like the FBI, the state department, they have their investigation going. And now you've got Senate committee hearings. And this is like within a week of Benghazi, something like that. Yeah. The white house comes out and it's like, okay, okay, okay. Actually it was a terror attack. Funny enough, you should say. And also, yeah, I guess it was Al Qaeda and they had Chris Stevens, uh, on their to kill list. We know that. Cause they have yeah. a list of people they want to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing we've seen. I mean, it's also ridiculous. Then there's just basically like a flood of intelligence and Pentagon leaks where yes. you've got like the daily beast, which is like the spook paper of record is reporting that U S intelligence knew the attack was coming a full like 24 hours before it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have like the Libyan president who's like barely a president. Let's be real. He's on NBC news and he's like, there was no protest. They're lying. No one cares about this movie. Also, They did it on September 11th on purpose to send a message. <laughs> so there's like all these competing <laughs> have, stories well, going Susan on. Susan Rice does what uh, what political oh hacks love calling the full Ginsburg. Yeah. Which is that. Fuck three children. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I was about to say, which means she has lesbian sex on TV. <laughs> now, the full Ginsburg is where you go into every morning show and show your pussy. Uh, and uh, sorry, Liz is giving me a really bad look for that Ugh. one. We've been recording for a long time. I guess you so can Ruth say whatever Ginsburg, now. Right? Only the true Fedayeen have stick around to this point. So no, what she does, is she goes on every morning talk show. It's named after Monica Lewinsky's lawyer, his her Jew lawyer. Um, and uh, she goes on every talk show and sort of gives these like talking points that are given to her by the State Department, CIA, and one of those is about this video the instance of Muslims Mm. being the provocation that uh, set this whole thing off. At this point, the house gets involved, which is always a good sign. They throw their hat in and they're like, Hey, we want answers. We want more information. And they're just like banging a drum on all the TV shows. There's uh, Daryl Issa, fun recurring character and Jason Mm -hmm. Chaffetz. Oh, I forgot about Chaffetz. Dude, never forget about Chaffetz. He tried to be the Benghazi guy and it didn't work out for him. No, he didn't have Trey Gowdy's swag. No, he's- I gotta say, like- Huge forehead. Five head. He's got a five head, six head. He always looked like, every picture of him always looked like he was taken at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. He was just like, not like a confident looking guy. He was never going to be the guy. He's got that thing where he's got just too many lines on his face. Yeah. Like- I don't, it's not like he's ring. It, no, it, it it's just like it's like if you know how you're in the bath for too long, and then like the knocking, the roommate's knocking the door. It's like you've been in the bath like two hours, and then you come out, and they're like, "What the fuck is wrong with your fingers? Yeah. They're like all like shriveled." Yeah. Um, also, like you should have put on a towel before you came. To I think taking a bath company. with a roommate is weird. I know I've done it with so many roommates, and they're always like, "Dude, I don't want to be in here with you." No, I just like, mean like doing that while you have roommates. Yeah. yeah, I've never done that. It, it's it seems weird. uncomfortable. Be- yeah, because you're like making a broth of yourself. It's very intimate. Yeah. So to, gross to be comfortable. Also, maybe you're a in the bathroom for a long with- fucking time. That's what I'm saying. Maybe you got a bath. Maybe you like got an a hour. yeah. Maybe yeah. You got a little powder room. 
that they can go to. I mean, if listen, if the roommates are like out or something, you can do it. But if the roommates are home, don't be taking a bath there. That's my other piece of advice besides don't let people out of prison. Okay, um, so Issa and Chafe Fitz, they write this like strongly worded letter finally to Hillary Clinton. This is when now they start digging in at Hillary. And they're like, uh-huh. this attack claimed ambassador where you initially said, you know, what you said was wrong. Why was it wrong what you said? You said it was spontaneous. Why did you get it wrong? Mm-hmm. So then the FBI concludes its investigation and it's actually concludes it in Benghazi. And I thought this was very cute. It spent 12 hours and it's like, bro, spent 13. It's right 13 there. Hours. It's right Brother. there. And they didn't Brother. do it. So that, that, I didn't like that. The house is, I mean, like after all that, like we were able to turn up, it's kind of amazing that like the house hearings were, it was basically like all about the stand down order. Yes. Yeah. There was yeah. a little stuff about this. And like, we talked about Mark Turry. Rand Paul. Uh, yeah. You know, well, sort of, he comes up later. Only, yeah. 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 We talked a little, they, you know, they, they did try to make Mark Turry a star. There was a little bit of talk about gun running, but it was mostly about the stand down order, which just goes to show no one in the house is ever getting anything done. No. If your mission was to destroy Hillary Clinton, well, she already had the momentum going on that. Yes. Like you need to do very little to like really bring her down. I, uh, they, if your move is to like indict Hillary, Obama, everyone, or at least get people to talk about it, talk about the gun running, they did not do that. They did not no. succeed. No. None and whatsoever. they don't even get to the stand down order for like almost a full year. <laughs> like yeah. they don't even on? know that it's a thing until like months and months later, which is it is so fucking weird. crazy. It, it is so weird that we have a House and a Senate because. The House, I do think, is like representative of America in some way in that it's like yeah. that's always the like they could not do any other job. Yeah. The people no. in the House. They're they're all Marjorie Taylor Green, just in one way or the other. Yeah. The Senate. Yeah. yeah. Those are the two most evil people in the state. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Those yeah. are fucking killers. Those are those are some fucking freak killer assholes. Well, the thing the is house, with the house is like man. you're like I could. I mean, anybody could look at the house and be like, I could probably do that. You know, like yeah. I could get elected. Can That's literally of, what how people run for the house. Yeah, can you? They're think like, of, I could probably do it. Could you think of a company that had 365 people that John Boehner could run? No. No, there you go. not at all. Exactly. Yeah, no way. Nancy Pelosi's like 98 years old. Yeah. And she could happening? run the third Reich. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not happening. These are not competent people. That, the thing is, is like, I like, like I was recruited by the justice Democrats to run in 2016 in the primary in, uh, in California. And I did pretty well. Like I got 40 points on it. And let me tell you, like, if I had actually succeeded in that, I would have reopened the Benghazi. Hearings. I think you would have done a great job. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the, I'm adding that to my lore is that I'm a justice Run as Democrat. a Democrat, but <laughs> only on, we need to actually reopen the Benghazi. Hearings. Yeah. hundred percent. We need to get to the bottom <laughs> of this. So a month after the attack, the house committee on oversight. So this is before the fucking select committee, which doesn't even start until a year after There's the so attack. many committees. There's Jesus so many fucking Christ. committees. So what's funny is that, the House Committee finally has its, you know, this is like the Oversight Committee or whatever. It has its a little Benghazi hearing. And that's when the State Department inadvertently reveals that the annex that was attacked was an intelligence post. 
And it yeah. was like by accident that they revealed this. <laughs> so we yeah. only know that because someone in state accidentally was like, oh, you should ask the other agency in charge. And they were like, I'm sorry, was there another agency in charge? <laughs> and that's how that gets revealed. At this point, all of the political noise is still centered on whether or not it was a terrorist attack, which I think is so fucking mm-hmm. funny. It's just like, I bro, mean, the big thing was on. like, I know that's so crazy arguing rather like, well, you described it as an act of terror. Like, is it, but it's terrorism. It's like, it's the most obvious like bullshit that you can fucking cook up. But they got better at it though. Yeah. At some point, Fox and I think it was Reuters gets an email leaked to them two hours after the attack that is, you know, the White House, the Pentagon, there's other agencies on the email, and they're all told that it was a direct terrorist attack. So that just fucking keeps going. And they're like, we've got emails. Where are the people? We need answers. You know, it's all kind of like continuing to go. Yeah. Then something fun happens, which is David Petraeus resigns. (laughs) Why does he resign? After admitting to having an affair with his biographer, Oh, come on. That's so baller because that means you have a fucking sick biography. But he, if a chick knows about your life and still has sex with you, that means you're <laughs> yeah. That's true love. Well, that's um, like, I mean, that's like um, hooking up with girls after you achieve micro celebrity. It's like, oh, I can skip the part where I tell you like who I am and what I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you like yeah, know, yeah, I already yeah. know what my childhood was like. Yeah. David Petraeus resigns the week he is supposed to testify about Benghazi. Now, to all you dumbos out there, David Petraeus was the head of the CIA. (laughs) Uh If you don't remember, he's... Look, I understand he's like the head of the CIA. He never struck me as like the smartest guy. (laughs) No. I don't know. He, He seemed like... He seemed like a little bit of an airhead. Yes. He's kind of the himbo. He was like the Obama era himbo. Here's a little piece of Belden advice. Never have sex with your biographer. They'll put it in your biography. Yeah. <laughs> well, she went out and was like, oh, she, she, Paula Broadwell, like, he's goes got, on he's TV. got great dick. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> but she was like, oh, that CIA annex is actually a secret prison. And he told me that when we were having sex. <laughs> He's like, oh, I love to. Oh, you're so flexible. Girl, I want to rendition you. We still do that. He's like like eating, he's like, like noisily eating her edible underwear, being like, they kept a few guys there in prison. He's like three feet away from her, completely naked with like a half boner. So it's like kind of curved, like an arch. Just like eating, just like underwear after under because she brought a lot with her because he loves to eat them. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's like some guy, Liz. I don't know if you've ever been with a sex guy before. You p- clearly haven't, by the way that you're reacting What's right a now. Sex guy, <laughs> a guy that you know, like a like an oily individual, but not oily <laughs> as in like a bad guy. Oily as in like I got oils on me. I, you know, look, I'll take out my shirt right now. I'm covered in oils right now. Oh, I'm covered in body oil, and that's the thing. It's like wh- when you're when you're in like your sex guy groove, all you eat edible fucking underwear and. uh and also, like, sexy, like, cake, joke cakes that are shaped mm. like penises. Oh, yeah. And, penis pasta. Yeah, penis pasta. Like, you can only <laughs> eat, like, fucking products. And so, like, that actually made me, like, gain a lot of weight. So, I was, like, 300 pounds. And then the oil, like, <laughs> I really started. pounds greasy. Just so greasy. Pasta. And then okay. women at that point wouldn't believe me that it was body oil. They were like, oh, you're just sweaty. 
because you like mm. you had to walk up like four stairs to get here. But like, shut wet. up, like it's and, and so yeah, I was all wet, and so I just keep pouring this body oil on me to prove them. It's the same like viscosity, like it's not sweat. It's the it's a fucking really like it's actually kind of toxic. And I'd be like, please, like, and then they would like be like, oh, okay, I'll 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 have sex with you for four seconds uh, and uh, until you like. So Paula, like, oh, after down. after sleeping with sex guy. Uh, David Petraeus, mm-hmm. head of the CIA. Yeah, she goes out and she's like, yeah. oh yeah, this is a CIA black site where they're renditioning prisoners. <laughs> and she goes I on all the TV shows and says site. this, uh, which was a big scandal because mm-hmm. um, that's very that was very funny, Brace. Thank you. Yeah, I did hear it. But it was a big scandal because astute listeners will remember that Obama technically was like, I'm Obama. Here's an executive order. We won't, don't torture people. No more prison. No more secret prisons. It was a huge thing. Um, obviously, that doesn't mean anything. But yeah, it's fake. Anyway, so Petraeus resigns. Pussy. He gives close, apparently gives a closed door testimony to, testimony to Congress about uh, Benghazi. All of it was literally about whether or not it was a terrorist attack. And I'm like, dude, his girl just went on like fucking, you know, CB News, Jake Tapper, whoever, whatever. And it's like the CIA has a secret prison and that's what he was doing. And I know because I was sleeping with the CIA director and they're fucking asking him about whether or not it was a terrorist attack. It's like, you guys are so annoying. You're so annoying. I don't understand how bad they are with this. Well, we get to something very special next. Yeah, this is the best. They finally get their white whale. Hillary Clinton announces that she will testify in the Benghazi hearings in December. Except then she faints and suffers a concussion before she's supposed to testify. (laughs) Okay, don't laugh. Okay, that's not. Imagine if that was your grandma who did Libya. You know, and then faints. I'm telling you, this bitch is unwell. Like, oh, it's she's been I, unwell yeah. for a long time. The 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 weight gain, by the way, was due to uh-huh. steroids, in my opinion. Oh, Ooh, prescribed tell us steroids, about that. not like I she was roided. Right I mean, prescribed uh-huh. steroids for various illnesses that she's dealing with. Oh, uh, what do you think she's as got? As an older female, what do you think she's got? Jimmy leg. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's got Jimmy leg. That's one of them. Probably I th- I just, like, you know, I don't know. A thyroid issue? What's thyroids? a thyroid? Oh, I don't yeah. know thyroids are, are all out of whack. Yeah, yeah. I think her, her chakras were pretty unaligned. Listen, Absolutely. this woman is a drug addict. She's always being injected with this substance or that, like Adolf Hitler, I might add. Uh, and frankly, I think she OD'd, and that's why she fell down. Yeah. Well, Hillary around this time, like a lot of people were talking about this and Petraeus was the first one to notice this. Petraeus was, Brace was right about him being a sex guy. He would take off his uniform, his military uniform, mm-hmm. when he put on his sex uniform. Yeah. Took off his shirt, put on a John Varvatos extra slim fit. Ooh, there we put go. Put on three scarves. Fit. Yes. And while he was doing this one day, he was in his scarf room uh-huh. and Pro- Paula Broadband was there. Yes. He was like, yeah, Hillary is like she's been hanging out by uh, the the metro station at Dupont Circle and like wearing a hat. 
and saying she needs forty seven dollars to take a bus back to Indiana. <laughs> yes, I think like she could have she could drive whenever she wants. Like something's going on. Yeah, and it turned out that Hillary was she was um so into Opana that when they stopped prescribing it as much, or really stopped making it that mm. she would get white because she would wear tall tees when she did this. She would <laughs> yeah. get the tees that had like the red Opana dye in them and suck them out to get some of the residue. Okay. Yeah. 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 So she was, she was off that shit. I think. Yeah. I mean, she like, was fucked up. She yeah. was stealing. She like, you notice like around this time, there are a lot of articles about them like renovating their house. Yeah. <laughs> it's because she would always steal the copper wiring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. From her, from her, her own, own mansion. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people like even Hillary supporters do refer to this as like the Opana years. Yeah. 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 A lot of people mishear that and they think they're talking about the Obama years. No, it's, it's not. No, the it's hundred percent. <laughs> the Opana years. Yeah. She really took that hard. I mean, that's why she couldn't make it over the line in 2016 is because they don't have that shit anymore. They like, don't make them. You have to take so much shit with Tylenol in it now that she got sick. And in fact, we actually had another 9-11. We were talking about this before we recorded eight hours ago. Uh, and Hillary Clinton fainted famously during the 2016 campaign mm-hmm. on 9-11. Yeah. She was that remembering was- Benghazi and just completely overtaken by Whoa, the- ambassador! <laughs> if anyone is like haunted by ghosts- it's yeah, her. because yeah. she's like she's yeah. tuned into the world enough that she'd be like, oh, I don't usually hear that voice. I'm sure like Trump probably like ghosts attack him, but he just like doesn't notice. Doesn't notice. He thinks they're real people. Yeah. He's like, no. oh, this, this woman's got this old timey dress. Like he's just like trying to grab the breast of this <laughs> yeah, woman. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's the first person to sexually harass ghosts away. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Stop yeah. yeah. Him. Hey, that's actually why. Yeah. People really. That's why his, you know, his, his 2020 campaign didn't go very well because he really lost the ghost vote. Yeah. And Joe Biden, like. He's attuned to the dead. Yeah, he's fought like he's seen ghosts of everyone and it's great. He's yeah. the first guy to have a good time when he's haunted. Exactly. He's he's a white necromancer. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. He's just well, like constantly when, when he, right. You know the haunted mansion in, in yeah. Disneyland? He's just always on that ride. Like, oh, I love yeah. these guys. Joe Joe Biden has always gotten through a haunted maze on the first try. <laughs> well, it's because he has such a close relationship with his dead son. And so his yeah. dead son just introduces him to his ghost boys. Like, oh, yeah, like this is like, fr- he died in the Civil War. Can you <laughs> yeah. believe that? And, jo- yeah. yeah. Joe Biden is like, he can probably communicate with ghosts of people who haven't died yet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can talk. To, he's a tulpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Hillary, like, no. The ghosts make her feel bad. That's what made oh, her faint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think one her. specific ghost, which is that of Gaddafi. Gaddafi's yes. ghost haunts Hillary. Well, she and comes, his retinue of, of bitches. Yeah. She <laughs> she comes back eventually and testifies uh, her first testimony in front of Congress on Benghazi she says like something stupid and everyone runs with it and she says like what difference does this make like in regards to whether or not it was a terrorist attack or came from a protest which to be honest I like am with her because I'm already fucking I'm fucking sick of talking about terrorist attack or whatever yeah but what's funny is that it's in this moment that Rand Paul kind of comes to the rescue a little bit because he asked the most interesting question of the day, which is, is the U S involved with any procuring of weapons, transfer of weapons, buying, selling, anyhow, transferring weapons to Turkey 
out of Libya. And I'm like, my man, you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause yeah. Hillary is like to Turkey. What are you a moron? Like she yeah, like yeah, totally yeah. like <laughs> shuts him down. And I'm like, dude, no, just say Syria. Why didn't you say Syria? Why didn't you yeah. Say well, cause the thing is he was technically correct. We were, we were transferring them to the Turkish intelligence services who was running the FSA. Well, what's interesting is that what, and no one runs with this, but this is what Hillary says. She says, you'll have to direct that question to the agency that ran the annex. So yes. she's saying, ask the CIA, it's their business, not mine. But no one yeah. really, you know, no one really goes with it. Yeah. The yeah, media yeah. is and like, kind of like fucking attacks Rand Paul about Rand. it. And they're like, you know, oh, it's deeply strange. He's so weird. What is he asking these weirdo questions about? But he was on the right track, just got the country wrong. Uh, and he was not really joined by anybody else. Like this was basically Rand's line, and like, yeah. like I think a couple other people might have mentioned it. I don't know if they even mentioned it in the hearings, but like this did not get a lot of play. And like that is kind of what we're saying in this episode is like that is what this is all about was gun running from Benghazi, and that in the in the hours, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of fucking hearings that gets like ten minutes of play at yeah. most. Eventually, about one year later, they finally get to this like stand down idea. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that they run with. They love that shit. And you guys all probably remember that shit. Oh, who gave the stand down? Or there was multiple stand. Everyone's yeah. standing down. There's these fucking whistleblowers that come out. They call them whistleblowers. They're not really whistleblowers, but they come out, they testify in front of the house. And they said that more assistance from the U.S. military could have been provided and that attempts to send additional forces were met with a stand down. And so that then, boom, my birthday, the House votes to establish a House Select Committee, which is like, mm-hmm. at this point, they're just doing random committees. A select committee actually does have like way more subpoena power yeah, um, and can actually like request like serious tranches of documents not mm-hmm. like these like little baby house committees that were operating before. Um, so actually, you know, it did have a lot of power and I think like a huge budget, like they spent like two and a half million dollars on this thing. Yeah. I think, I think actually it was 7 million total. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. I believe so. Oh my so. God. And really the only revelation that comes out of this is fucking Hillary's emails, which to be fair is a pretty good one. If that is what comes out of Benghazi, it's like, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. (sighs) We've been going for so long. Hit us with the emails. I know. We're almost done, baby. We're almost done. But we, I have to, I would, I would be remiss. I would probably commit, what is it called when the Japanese warrior kills themselves? Seppuku. Thank you. I would have to do that if I did not. Excuse me? Your honor rating's too low. Like, do you see the little bar below so you mean. here? It's like your honor is like a little too much to the left side. And so you got to get it full to the right side. You'll have better reactions from other NPCs and stuff like wrong. that. You're wrong. You're wrong. Anyway. Okay. It would be wrong if I didn't actually spend some time explaining the emails. <laughs> because <laughs> so an email this is, is like kind of like an electronic letter. annoys me. Uh-huh. There, no, like I said at the beginning of the episode, there's like three email scandals that get wrapped up into something that is just kind of called Hillary's emails that the like liberals and the media and unfortunately at one point Bernie Sanders just kind of like obliquely refer to. 
as like one big thing, but it's like not really. Yeah. So in order to like tell and explain all of this, we kind of have to back up. (laughs) So email was invented in 1986. (laughs) The hyperlink was invented in Sweden. Combine these two together and you can have a smorgasbord, an octopus of information (laughs) going from cousin to cousin, boyfriend to ex, ex to whisper network, and everyone in between. In so, 2008. A woman named Moira Donegan <laughs> was born in 1978. <laughs> no, for real though. In 2008, a server oh, uh-huh. is used for clintonmail.com. Which God, is, I, yeah, it's so, I so unreliable. <laughs> That's registered under the name Eric Hotham, which I think we can all assume is a misspelling of Eric Hotham, which is a... Former Clinton aide, like close Clinton aide. Okay, this is in uh-huh. 2008. In 2009, the domain Clinton email gets registered to Justin Cooper, who's like a super long time Bill Clinton presidential aide. Hillary Clinton gets an email set up as hdr22 at clintonemail.com. Okay. Fast forward. Hillary Delano Rodham. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure it out. Is that what? Is that. What her middle name is? Delano? Delano? Uh, her damn remails. <laughs> <laughs> In 2013, March 2013, uh, I have forgot about this, but this, I was this happened. So Gawker. Much math in March 2013. <laughs> I know. Dude, for real. Gawker reported that um, a bunch of emails were leaked by Guccifer. Remember him? I remember yes. him. I oh think my it's Guccifer, baby. Like, yeah, it was a, the Russian, no, right? I was like, it's Guccifer. I know, but I want to say Guccifer. Like, I, maybe it is Guccifer. I don't know. Yeah, actually, you know what? Jury's out on that one. So it comes out that Clinton used the clintonemail.com domain name in her email Doi. to advisors and friends. Um, this, Including Sidney Blumenthal. Yes. My man. Best uh-huh. dad of all time. Pussy getta. <laughs> So at that point, uh, Hillary changes her email address because Gawker has leaked it to everyone. 2014. (laughs) I promise this is important. (laughs) The State Department, which that's so fucking funny that Gawker leaked Hillary Clinton's email. Yeah, yeah. The State Department makes a request that all former secretaries of state, quote, submit any records in their position for proper preservation. And this is just like totally normal. The State Department's just like, Oh, I'm doing State Department duty. Well, oops, it's time for us to update our records. It's, mm-hmm. That's our new thing that we need to do on our calendar. Spring cleaning, fall, whatever. That's what we're doing, updating our records. And so Clinton gets a request for, you know, I mean, all this is just historical preservation, right? Public records, yeah. they're public servants, public records, all that, right? So she sends the State Department 55,000 pages of State Department emails that were from her personal email account, okay? She leaves out 30,000 of which, which she says are personal. You may have heard that because Donald Trump, like, fucking would harp on that a lot. But, yeah, 30,000 pages of emails were not sent. She said they were personal. She makes all – she has all these, like, very pat lines about, oh, it's me coordinating – uh fucking what's her ugly ass daughter's name chelsea's wedding chelsea yeah <laughs> sorry dude i gotta say i gotta say the 
Adam Friedland saying that that Chelsea Clinton isn't Jewish, she's just ugly, <laughs> remains one of the funniest things I've seen online. This that was funny. awesome. That was very funny. That, that was, yeah. that was well, yeah, We're one of the We're reliving so much this evening. I, yes. And just so people remember, um, that whole thing started because Chelsea said about Ilan Omar, um, I'm offended by this as an American. Mm-hmm. about the all about the Benjamins tweet which is like if you think people are too mean to Chelsea like who the fuck asked you well also yeah. people probably were when she was a kid but she ain't a kid anymore yeah she's no she's like 45 she's now a grown ass dumb yeah. bitch yeah mm-hmm. shut up went on vacation with Ghislaine Maxwell also went on a yacht trip yeah. with her she was at her wedding yep so um, March 2015 Yes. The New York Times breaks the story that the House Select Committee on Benghazi. <laughs> I love that we have a uh-huh. House Select Committee on assassinations and then fucking House Select Committee on Benghazi. How the mighty have fallen. House Select Committee on Benghazi discovers that Hillary Clinton used a personal email account for State Department business, basically because they subpoenaed Ooh. the State Department for correspondence. And the State Department had all those emails because they were like, hey, we got to make a you know public records preservation, right? Uh-huh. The State Department releases like 900 pages of the emails to the select committee. So they're, re- they're only giving them just a little taste, just a little, little taste of Hillary's mm-hmm. emails. But this, just obviously, a- March 2015, Hillary has just announced or is about to just announce that she's running for president. Everyone already knows it, but I think she hasn't yeah. yet made her official announcement. I think that was in May that it happens. Anyway, so it becomes a huge fucking story. Which obviously everyone listening to this knows because you know about Hillary Clinton's fucking emails. <laughs> yes, I know. Now we're getting back to the time period where like people remember. We're now like catching up to ourselves, which is kind of trippy. Yeah. We're doing a Back to the Future moment or something uh-huh. in a way. Yeah, I, think. I don't know if they do that. Back to do they do that? I don't know. Didn't he fuck his mom? <laughs> yeah, or he was about to. Very weird. Anyway, a lot of details about this, even though we remember it, like. You don't remember it because it's all been lost and all turned into memes that don't mean anything. And no one actually knows the difference between any of the different email scandals, as I've said. And like she says all this stuff where she's like, oh, I was just using a personal one because it was too inconvenient to use two emails, which is like, what the fuck are you talking about? That makes no sense. You're literally a professional. What are you talking about? Yeah, just Or you're lazy. You're lazy yeah. or you're stupid. Which is it, Hillary? I use my email, then I use Marcos at truenonpod.com. <laughs> I can't believe I you just revealed that. the Marcos. Why well, fucking what? They don't know how to spell Marcos. Oh Listen, God. if you get an email from Mark, if you're listening <laughs> to this and you get a fucking email from Marcos, you are in fucking trouble. Right. You are on, believe me, your jogging list, your jogging schedule has been published and I've read it and I'm coming. Or Marcos actually is. Marcos is, uh, I'm on Marcos's WhatsApp chain. <laughs> yeah. Dude, he sends me the same stupid bullshit Big Dave sends me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Marcos runs a very popular Telegram channel, which is, uh, you know, he's in, he's in trouble. So the thing is, is that Hillary, like, in order to deflect all of this, what she does is very smart. And all of her little, you know, little media people, Media Matters people and all that shit kind of latch on. And up until this day, I mean, listening to that fucking fiasco pod safe, whatever. (laughs) Why is it like that? Benghazi fucking podcast. They still all repeat this line that this is about her personal email account. And it's not the personal email account. It's not just the personal email account. 
It's that she has, she's storing all of those emails on a fucking server that's in the basement of her house. Yeah. Yes. Like literally White House, State Department business where she's talking about, should we invade Libya? I don't know. Whatever. Let's find out. Fuck around. She's fucking around and finding out on a fucking personal email server coming out of her fucking basement of her house. This is so crazy and weird. It's so that weird. Is zero factor authentication. No, yes. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is too, she's breaking a cardinal rule of mixing business with pleasure. Cause the other thing in that basement were her child catamites too, <laughs> that she fed upon for sustenance. And it's like, you can't have that. You can't mix that kind of shit. You got to yeah. leave that shit at they the pizza place. That kind of radiation at that young age. Exactly. So the other thing is, is that two weeks later after this comes out, CNN reports that Hillary has now permanently deleted all the emails on the server. Queen. So she gave, again, just to like recap, she gave 55,000 of her emails to the State Department to be archived. 30,000, she says were personal, but she said she just decided no one's ever seen them, which like I will get to why that's a problem in a second. No one's ever seen those. No one knows what there are. There's no record of literally like State Department business. Uh, it's all been deleted permanently, completely. No one knows where those emails are. I know that's a fucking line that Donald Trump repeated over and over, but it's fucking true. I'm sorry. It's true. So this is me with some eight, nine, ten points about the email scandal to debunk it. So this is me. This is a political fact, political fact, Liz time. Debunking. Debunker Central Fact Zone. <laughs> this is the truth about the fucking State Department email scandal, right? One, no State Department head and probably no government employee has ever exclusively used a private email server for both private and public email messages. Fact check, true. Mm-hmm. Two, The private email server was not encrypted for two months after Secretary of State Clinton started using it. Fact checked. True. Like, just not encrypted at all. So it's like literally like a fucking hotmail. I mean, it's like worse than hotmail, I guess, at that point. I don't know. Brian Pagliano. I think I'm saying that wrong. He's the guy that was put in charge of security, and I'm using quotes there, and maintenance. We should use double quotes there. For the server. And now he originally installed the server for the Clinton Foundation for like their own private family use, right? Uh-huh. He then gets hired at state, and this is a direct quote, to moonlight in maintaining Clinton's private email server. All the experts are like, there should probably be a team of people because this is the Secretary of State like running business. And I don't know if Brian is equipped to do that. His supervisors at the State Department didn't even know that he was there working on Clinton's private email server. Fact check, Drew. Brian is then granted immunity after he pled the fifth during the congressional questionings about the server. (laughs) That usually only happens when someone knows something. Well, you plead the fifth because you can't, you don't want, you can't incriminate yourself. Yes. So what were you incriminating yourself with, Brian? And then he was granted immunity because clearly the FBI thought they could use, they needed to know what he knew. The State Department still cannot locate work-related emails from this period, from when he was working at the State Department. 
So no one, everyone has lost all official correspondence of Brian Pagliano while he was at the State Department. Okay. This is all true, by the way, you guys. Okay. It's just true. Facts only. So. <laughs> Um, Clinton was told like when she first started at state that she shouldn't use her Blackberry. Now this was the whole thing because remember Obama wanted to use his Blackberry too. This was the whole thing. Cause all he's like, I'm like a people, cool president. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, like all government employees for some reason also use Blackberries. I have no idea why, but that's like all the only people in America who do. Well, with Obama, he had this Blackberry that they made for him where yeah. every time he put it in the charger thing, it would wipe everything purportedly. And it had like multiple. You're joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This was a whole no, fucking. No, no, that was, like, this was real. I remember yeah, reading yeah, an yeah. article about this. This was a whole oh my thing. God. But she was told that she can't. She First of all, she didn't get that treatment. She was told she can't use the Blackberry. And she was, because she was said, look, it can be hacked. And then it can be used as a listening device. Okay. She's like, oh, I understand. That makes sense. Nevertheless. She persisted. She did persist, and persist she did, because she continued to use it. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the first, there's a FOIA request that they received for her email messages, and then she just responded, oh, there's none for you to get. I don't know what you're talking about, which just, like makes no sense. It's only after Benghazi that she admitted that there were 30,000 email messages um, that they had never received. Yeah. She, uh, you know, she claimed another 30,000 emails were private. Now, I want to be clear about this. Public officials don't usually get to decide what's public concern and what's private concern. Usually that is left to third parties or the public, right? Imagine if Nixon mm -hmm. had been actually the, uh, there's all this like personal stuff on those recordings. Um, and so like, I don't think that a lot of that should be released. Like I actually, I think like me saying like that, like it, like it's gay that they do like Bohemian Grove and stuff. It's like that's like actually super personal to me. And like <laughs> you bringing that up right now is is actually like super harmful to both me and to them because that like violates a lot of a level of trust there. No, but I'm serious. Like she fucking, she was just like, oh, it's actually that's like private stuff and private messages on there, and so you can't see them. And everyone was like, why are you all trying to rape her? <laughs> Let, yeah, leave yeah. her alone. Yes. Leave Hillary alone. <laughs> leave her alone. Like that's literally what it was like. And she, you know, they just you just fucking believe it. But she just said that. We don't know. We've never seen it. I mean, it's just yeah. a come it's a, 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 a you know, that is like an opportunity afforded to literally no other public official up until like yeah. the Obama admin. I'd never seen the kind of deference. I mean, it's even crazier now, to be honest, but never seen that kind of deference given. And it's just like completely unheard of, especially when you're talking about the fucking secretary of state. Like, my God, she says there's no classified documents on the private email server. Boom. Lie. There were. There were 2000 classified email chains on the fucking server. Just chains, not messages. Yeah. She said they were classified after the fact. So it's not her fault. She was like, oh, they weren't classified until after I received them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which okay. is like crazy well, lawyer yeah. brain bullshit. She herself author authored emails sent from the email account, which was sent from the server that contained classified material. So it's just all fake. Yeah. It's all lies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that was, so that was always the thing that like sort of annoyed me, the loop that we got in with Hillary's emails in 2016 was that simultaneous with this, you were supposed to think that Russian hacking attempts were, it, it was tantamount to Pearl Harbor. 
Yeah. Yes, and my totally. thing, my my thing always was, well, if that's such a big deal, then why isn't it a big deal that she was running such a ramshackle email operation? Exactly. Like if, we, if, we, if, if she knew and she warned us, oh, the Russians are doing all this cyber shit. Why are you? Well, yeah. Why are you running this in your fucking basement with yeah. Brian? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> why is this Brian is, I don't involved think you in all think this? this is a big deal. Yeah. Like, couldn't someone just kidnap Brian and then know everything? Like, it seems like this no, Brian, it doesn't make any sense. It's true. Well, it also- it's completely contradictory. And on top of that, everyone in the media did so much work conflating all the different email scandals. And so you couldn't even put together that that was conflicting, right? Yes. Yes. It no. was just... Yeah. This was my favorite of her excuses, is that she claimed that the convenience in using one device was because she was on the seventh floor of the building and that uh-huh. they offered to put a terminal in for her to check and send private email messages from her seventh floor office. But she was like, I don't use desktop computers. Oh, she's a laptop gamer. So, <laughs> so I can't use this workaround of you helping for me to get off of my private email server. I mean, it's all Girl. just bullshit. Girls do love having a really hot laptop in their bed. Yes, that, girls, is, that much is true. Girls love having a giant rectangle burned into their like midriff uh, <laughs> from watching uh, what's it? Oh my the god, white I totally Lotus know what you're for about. fifteen hours. Oh, I, I will say this: that. I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but a guy did once use my laptop to jack off to porn in my apartment while I was at work for like fifteen hours in a row. And Whoa, I came back. That seems- I don't even want to get into this. And some people listening will know who I'm talking about. Anyways, I get home and my laptop is not working. It is fucking busted. It is fried. It is blammo. And I go up to this guy and I'm like, lift up your fucking shirt. He lifts up his shirt and he straight up has a burn from my laptop in it. And I was like, I fucking told you not to look at my laptop all day on your fucking stomach. And he did. And he broke my laptop. So – a lot, of people, cool, a lot of people don't know this. I have recently gotten a PhD in the most real science of all time, EvoPsych. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, 100%. I'm a doctor yeah. of EvoPsych now. Yeah. Yeah. The reason, thank you. I know that certificate is expensive. <laughs> it was $180,000 for oh me to God. do this. Um, wow. But so the reason that people do this, and typically more women do this than men, and there's a reason. It all harkens back to the time when we were reptiles and we laid eggs uh-huh. and we liked the feeling of us protecting the, this warm egg with our body. Yeah. Now women are more prone to have a hot laptop because they were the primary egg carers during our, <laughs> the time when we crawled out of the ocean. Yeah. But men also would be the egg guys sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you know, yeah. we all, we all feel that need. Women prefer MacBooks because they're smoother like an egg. Mm hmm. Yeah, they resemble one. Yeah, a, a MacBook's shell looks like an egg, just like sort of gently melted down, but it still yes. has the bump at the top. Yeah, that's all I wanted people to know. <laughs> <laughs> this is natural behavior. So Hillary finally appears before the house again, and this is when everyone gets all the blockbuster gifts. So this is the second time she appears, and this is when she goes like full 13 hours committee crazy, and she's like, and then everyone's yeah. like, oh my god, that's great! Look at her go! And she's like rolling her eyes and doing her thing. Yeah. And- she's like, I don't care that they died. I wish more had died. <laughs> yeah, no, that was like her girl boss that's in moment. That's the bloopers, like, actually. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, actually, she's like, I'm just fucking, I don't know. What do you know about it? I can't yeah, remember yeah. what she said. I she was, like, was like, it's just- not my job to educate you. Yeah, yeah. 
She was and like, actually, this was all about social justice. And I think it's kind of crazy what you're saying to me right now. I feel a little like Congress is gaslighting me right now. Like, are you gaslighting yeah. me? Because the way that you're talking to me right now is making me feel like you aren't listening to me. Like, don't respect me. And like, you know, it's just it's just like funny how you do. Like, she, 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 she responded to every question with being like, yeah, I just think it's kind of funny how you do that. And then would explain like what they were doing bad. <laughs> Hillary Clinton. In front of the in front of the in front of the fucking select committee is like this was her moment. This was yeah, her yeah, like yeah. victory over the Benghazi crowd because she was sassy. She clapped back. I mean, she prepared probably for so long for this. And honestly, if you're a Clinton person, she knocked it out of the park because it all just became about her defiance in the face of this useless committee. And yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. The committee was useless. Like that's. I mean, it, it oh, did yeah, find absolutely. out the emails. But like as a Benghazi committee broke the law and they couldn't do shit about it. I mean, that's exactly. so funny to me. You had Hillary Clinton breaking the law, which is like the thing you guys have been salivating for for 30 years. And the best you could do was like, you know, go on the TV and make a bunch of statements about a thing that no one understood anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. pathetic. Pathetic. Anyway, we get some good, so, yeah, you get some good quotes. You get some good gifts out of it. We got some good stuff out of Blumenthal's email. I'll say that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sydney Blumenthal wants to have sex with Hillary Clinton. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've said that several times, but it's it bears worth, it's worth repeating. Yeah. He was like sending basically, um, <laughs> I don't know, like memos about Libya to Clinton, yeah. pre-Benghazi, pre-invasion. Uh, while he's getting paid like 10K a month from the Clinton Foundation, the, the entirety of her tenure at state, that's after Blumenthal was basically blocked from being hired by two different Obama staffers, which is very funny. Um, he was also like working for David Brock at Media Matters. So he's all yes. over. He's on every Clinton outfit. But yeah, he's passing private intelligence to Clinton that she's using to justify the Libyan invasion that he's getting from basically a bunch of different private military contractors and kind of like shady business entrepreneurs. Arms we'll dealers. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who are all trying to get in on collapsing Libya and the kind of like, you know, rebel economy that we will soon produce. Well, the sum total of all this email stuff is it really contributed to Hillary Clinton being uh, seen as not trustworthy. And like that was, that was, I think, a giant reason of why she lost in 2016. Like the butter emails people, you know, talking about like, oh, well, people complain too much about her emails. That contributed just like the flowing of arms into Libya contributed to the milieu that killed Ambassador Stevens. Hillary Clinton hiding these emails, deleting these emails, this actual real scandal that emerged out of the, you know, the select committee, uh, contributed to that like well-known milieu of her being seen as like untrustworthy and somebody that like shouldn't be president as too, is very hubristic, all this kind of stuff. And I will say like was a, a probably a large contributing factor as to why she lost the 2016 election. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, as you said, she did an amazing job for the Hillary fans during all this. Yes. They loved her smacking down Congressman Jeeves, a.k.a. Trey Gowdy. But mm -hmm. for the entire world, like, the thing they thought would save them at the end of the day was that the scandal was so convoluted and confusing that no one would care. Yeah, yes. sure. I think that 
may have helped a little. The thing that destroyed them was that it was complicated and they didn't care, but they had to see more of her. Yes. <laughs> yes. And just seeing her interact with anybody was, I don't the think the opposite she ever, of delightful. Yeah. People love, this is like a, a big rose emoji thing to say. And I'm sure I've said it a billion times where it's like, Oh, you didn't campaign in Wisconsin. I don't think that would have helped. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest here. People don't like her. Yeah. I don't think it would have helped if she had went to Wisconsin and shown more of her attitude. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the that thing never is like, seemed to help. She campaigned in Ohio all the time. She got that, destroyed like, there. They maybe like, her campaign managers were right. And it's like, actually, maybe she's like, she shouldn't be in public. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see the alternate reality where she does go to Wisconsin and it's like, she also loses the popular vote. Yeah, it's yes. funny because yeah, it's like yeah. Biden did so well as an idea, as a reflection of yeah. an idea and a kind of like, you know, foil to Trump. The problem with Hillary is that she couldn't exist as like, they tried real hard, don't get me wrong, to like recreate her as some, you know, clapback queen, whatever, um, like intersexual mama. But she intersexual, <laughs> she couldn't um, she couldn't exist that way because it's fucking Hillary Clinton. And you, everyone has yeah. known every single American has known this woman for at least, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. So, people saw her, you know, yeah, they already people, knew who she was. Joe Biden was nobody. You know what I mean? I mean, he wasn't nobody. They knew who he was, but he, he wasn't. He was a blank slate. Exactly. There was no the only cultural image of Joe Biden was the onion like epic bullshit. But like and he was so far gone that you could sort of fill him into that container by the time it exactly. by the time it came. But with Hillary, it was like, well, like all these like boomers that you want to vote for in the Midwest or you hope will at least like not vote for Trump. Like the the shit where she's like, you know, I'm she they like that's not working for her because it's yeah. like they saw her not that long ago, it seems go on TV and be like, there are gang, there are rap gangs that are raping yeah, children for yes. hip hop rituals. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's, that's, that's the crazy thing. Why are you posting and, the intersectionality cloud now? What the fuck? Exactly. Like that's the, that's the thing is like the email stuff. I think it's just such a perfect example of that because like, no matter how far she tried to make herself into like what Warren really like kind of perfected, like yeah. it's just like, annoying woke person uh but who's like hyper competent is like the email shit just got in the way of that because people were like look you're like the fucking you're you i mean that's that's why trump shit was so perfect because she was the swamp and so like in this sort of perfect way benghazi sunk clinton in a way that like a lot of other shit like does not have the same in, 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 a lot of other shit was failed to like meet that same level and yeah. we all made fun of it like everyone made fun of it like you know, myself included, like, oh, who cares about Benghazi? And it's true. No one did really care about Benghazi, but everything after that did, it started unraveling the whole fucking thing. Yes. Yeah. She yeah. lost a lot of the people that she had in 2008. Yeah. Well, after that, people forget in 2008, she had like a lot of those people who like voted for Bernie in the 2016 primary. Those were people who were, in a lot of cases, if they were still Democrats, were voting for Clinton over Obama in that primary. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Like, she had a lot of Clinton touts white support. <laughs> but, like, I mean, 
even if she, the thing is, even if she did, Benghazi never happens and she does do the perfect like Elizabeth Warren thing. It doesn't work because we saw, well, that worked for Elizabeth Warren. I don't yeah. think people are like, I don't believe this thing where it's like, oh, everyone's anti-woke. It's just like, no, most people hear that shit and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, what the yeah. fuck is this? It's just also most of the people who do that stuff are just unlikable for other reasons. Exactly. You know, yeah. like that's, Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, that's where we end up, you know, Hillary Clinton loses in 2016. And the good thing is sort of like the justice was served in the case of Benghazi. Um, the FBI eventually arrested somebody who by all accounts was maybe mentally retarded, um, in, in Benghazi, they arrested a construction (laughs) worker who they blamed for the Ray, which is Katala. No, it's Katala. His name Um, name is John from Delaware. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. No. Um, they arrest this guy, Abu Katala, in uh, in Benghazi. Um, you know, he they blame him and his sort of small jihadist group on the incident. It's it, it's a little difficult to say whether justice was served in this case because the guy who turned him in and who provided almost all of the firsthand evidence was paid $7 million by the U.S. government <laughs> to inform on him and to help get him arrested. But, I mean, this was just like, you know, he was a guy who, you know, he was a, he was a, he was a you know, hardcore Islamist, but he was also just like a construction worker who, like, went to work the next day and, like, doesn't really seem to have had a ton of clout there. And all the other kind of guys threw him under the bus be like, this guy's sort of fucking stupid. But they arrested some guy, and I, I think that this was supposed to be sort of like a denouement to it, like to close the book on it. It didn't work. No one gave a fuck. Like, I I don't think most people even know that somebody was arrested for for Benghazi. There's no actual proof. I mean, he didn't himself kill anybody or fire a gun or anything like that. All depends on grainy video footage. Um, he got, I think, 22 years convicted of terrorism. Jesus. Did not get convicted of murder. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's that's that's sort of just how that ended up. As for Libya itself, um, turns out there you had actually another civil war. Uh, after after all of this in 2014, p- apparently when you flood someone with guns, again people do use them. The it was the Tripoli government of national accord, which is the uh, sort of uh, came out of the TNC against Haftar's Libyan National Army. I, I, we mentioned Haftar earlier, I believe. Yeah, we know we've mentioned him on other shows. Uh, the uh, the civil war goes on for like six years and it's kind of low grade, but what it eventually amounts to is that there's no real government and certainly no central government in large parts of the country. There's just like little jihadist warlords or basically lawlessness. The Tripoli government was officially backed by the UN uh, the U S was supposed to be one of its main backers, but it mostly relied on Turkey and Qatar our old friends for direct support. Although Italy also helped, which I gotta say, Italy stay out of Libya. Uh, on the other hand, Haftar was being backed by Russia and France, which is a delightful combination there. Um, yeah, both there's sides some fun, used- fun little images of Macron and Putin kind of handshaking, yes. talking about Libya. You can find uh, their meetings. The- the the of course there is a ton of mercenaries that enter the country. Uh, Haftar has the Wagner Group on uh, on on his side, and a bunch of other sort of small Russian private military contractors. Whereas the Tripoli government has two thousand jihadists imported from Syria by Turkey, 
which is a just fantastic. If you're a jihadist too, it's like, man, you got to go from Libya to Syria to Turkey, back to Syria, back to you know. Uh, exactly. Your hope that some. I mean, I guess now they're getting sent to Afghanistan, so maybe yeah, change of yeah. scenery. Well, they also they had, China, Turkey also they sent some of these guys. No, Turkey sent these guys to uh, Azerbaijan to fight against Armenia. Oh yeah, sure, of course, can't forget. Um. Anyways, you know, as we mentioned, there's large scale slave trading going on in the in uh, different parts of the country. A lot of it in the West. Uh, Italy made a big deal, and the EU made a deal with Libya to uh, send migrants back where a lot of the times they are beaten, arrested, or again, sold into slavery. Uh, the uh, the Civil War ended in t- October 2020 with a ceasefire. There are elections. There is a provi- basically a government of national unity, which is basically a provisional government. And uh, yeah, uh, Libya is as shaky as ever. So mission accomplished. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. And like, that's the thing is like, we end up here. I mean, all of this shit, like all of the, all of the, I mean, it's, it's almost crazy to look at Libya today and think that this, this began with 400, uh, you know, protesters dead under, under Gaddafi. And now we're like large scale slave trading, total failed state, you know, gangs rampant everywhere. And like, you know, to, to get from there to here, you can't leave out people like Chris Stevens and people like Hillary Clinton and people like Sarkozy. You know, Chris yeah. Stevens. I mean, I don't really like Hillary's consequence for this. I mean, I don't. I think she like probably would have found a way to lose anyway. That's just the kind of the person she is. At the end of the day, Stevens may be the only guy who like really did face a consequence for his actions. Yeah, yeah. really faced an actual lasting one. I know Sarkozy was convicted of some stuff. Uh boring campaign finance stuff. I don't know yeah. how long he spent spent in jail. I'm gonna guess not that long without yeah, it's looking France. it up. You kind of, they kind of just let yeah. you go after a yeah. while. Yeah, no, but like Chris Stevens was the only guy who really got to cook in the stew that he made. Yes, and for yeah. that, I award him the title, the true hero of Benghazi. And <laughs> yeah, really, then the true hero of 9/11. Yes. So tomorrow or whenever this comes out. Today, 9-11, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I will be at the Bell House with Yabbit Still. It's sold out. I'm just telling you to fuck you. Um, and you know what? I don't know what you guys are drinking right now. Um, probably some like, cocktail with like oat milk in it. Mm-hmm. You would do with your man bun up, listening to yeah. Kid Leroy, other hipster stuff. Get one of those cocktails and pour it out for Ambassador Stevens, the only man to be held kinetically accountable for his actions to Libya. If you have a SAM-7 anti-air missile right now, I'm talking to you listeners, point that bad boy at your parents' bedroom and just fucking let her rip, baby. (laughs) This one's for Stevens. Well, on that note, I'm Liz. My name is Brace. We're joined by... Felix. And of course, producer Young Chomsky. And this has been the longest episode of True and On to date. Oh my God. It was like four and a half hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Almost as long as Benghazi itself. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Jeffrey Epstein.